Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Sequelizers. Welcome to a brand new season of Sequelizers. Whoa! Not prequelizers. Season seven starts now, and we're back fixing bad sequels. Thank the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) We won't miss those prequels. Weirdly enough, I had some feedback that a couple of people said that was our best season yet. I was like, every season's it? our best season yet, baby. That's, that's, that's the mentality we like line, to keep. Line go up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> every sentence ends with the word baby, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be really hard to read the pitch, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of babies, I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers. And joining me, also as always, is Matt Stockton. Some motherfuckers are always trying to sequelize uphill. (laughs) (laughs) We will discuss that line in a moment because it's a fucking, it's a mind-bending weird phrase. But before we get to that, also joining us, as always, completing the trifecta, it's Tim Matum. Darkcore, trip hop, whatever the kids are listening to. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So uh, if you haven't already guessed, ladies and gentlemen, for this episode, kicking off season seven, we're doing a much requested, mm. terrible fucking sequel that is Blade Trinity. Before we get into talking about the film in more detail, we'd like to give a little shout out to our executive producers on Patreon. And Patreon is a place where you can support us, dear listeners. You can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers. And if you're able, I know these are difficult times for a lot of people right now, but if you are able to monetarily support us, we would very much appreciate it. And we have a bunch of lovely perks and various different options and various different tiers, so you can go there and check all them out. And more than anyone else, three people in particular have supported us at the highest tier possible. And those three people are our executive producers. Mr. Stuart Main. Mr. Jonathan Firth-Clark. And last but not least, Mike Salvia. Those gentlemen not only have shout-outs, not only have their little avatars as drawn by John Scarrett, they will also be picking some episodes later on in the season, which we will get to. And uh, we've got some juicy ones, listeners. It's going to be a good season. There's a lot to talk about with this. There is a lot to talk about. So let's start off with, what happens when you try to ice skate uphill? What does that mean? (laughs) Where's that coming from? Nobody was, was knows. Blade, was Blade under the impression that Deacon Frost was trying to ice skate something? What is that? I'm a not gonna lie. To something? It, it makes I don't. It kind of works. But no, it like, makes perfect sense to me. I don't understand why there's so much hatred and chagrin <laughs> for it. Because like it's like yeah, ice skating is difficult. It's really even harder when you're going uphill. So some people just try and do something that's already too difficult and make it really hard for themselves. But why he achieves his goal. He becomes yeah. a blood god. Like, yeah, yeah, think, but like, the hard way. I think that's the thing. Is that it makes sense as like. A saying in in just terms of like, yeah, as a that's a difficult thing, and you're making someone's always on making their life yeah. more difficult for themselves. Yeah, but that is not relevant at all to the situation that they're in at that point. That <laughs> is a hundred percent snipes. That's, a, that's <laughs> a, I, I have seen the behind the scenes. That is a snipes ass line right there. Because uh, I mean, let's let's get straight into talking about Wesley Snipes before we even get to Blade Trinity. We'll talk about the the trilogy as a whole. I re- rewatched all three of them in a twenty four hour. Span. <laughs> that's that's an intense dose of of blade. There is a, there's a yeah. lot of techno and blood and leather, and I hadn't really realised this, but this actually predates the Matrix. It kind yeah. of invents mm-hmm. the Matrix mm-hmm. look. Yeah, <laughs> and everybody's like, "Oh yeah, you're you're parodying the Matrix." Like, well, no, you're nope. kind of doing Blade actually. He's got the leather trench coat and the, the black armor and stuff and the 
the shades and everything and loads of unnecessary flip kicks. <laughs> <laughs> that bit where he just spin kicks a dude and they just trade spin kicks oh, without going anywhere so near good. each other. It's the best. <laughs> Um, and yeah, Wesley Snipes kind of made these films what they are. Like mm-hmm. the fact that he basically does all of his own stunts because, mm-hmm. of course, he does. Yes, and then is apparently by the third one an absolute fucking nightmare to yes. work with. Yes, and has been a nightmare to work with the whole time. But it just got worse and worse and worse. And apparently, would just stay in character the whole time. Yeah, and you know, you get like Daniel Day Lewis does that, and he goes and like lives on a farm for a year, and then. <laughs> you know like is Amish and then plays Abraham Lincoln or whatever the fuck like he does weird stuff like that sure whatever but apparently and this is according to Patton Oswalt who is in Blade Trinity he would communicate exclusively via post-it notes signed Blade (laughs) 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 like where's my coffee Blade and then just like slap it on a runner (laughs) (laughs) apparently he spent the whole time just getting completely stoned in his trailer and would show up and I think him and Ryan Reynolds like shared I think they shared the set for like a day and a half in total or something like that. <laughs> How? You're the you're the two biggest mm, two of two of the three biggest characters in this film, which we'll get onto in a moment. Yeah. But back to Blade One and Blade Two. I fucking love them. Yes. They're, they're yes. stupid. They're ridiculous. The one-liners make no sense sometimes. The the physics and effects don't make any sense. But they just commit and it's fucking brilliant and i appreciate the commitment to the to just the insanity of the whole thing i'm going to say something slightly controversial here oh, because shit. we're massive del toro fans on this oh, oh here, we go. Tim, Tim. here we go but i actually prefer the first blade film that's not as controversial as i thought it was going to be to be fair yeah. i i do i don't agree with it but i do understand it personally yeah watching them back to back i can <laughs> definitely see what you mean because um well, i know we're spinning off on a lot of tangents here but why the fuck did they bring Whistler back in the second one? What a fucking... I mean, yeah. Chris Christopherson is great. Don't get me wrong. He is a fantastic supporting character. Mm. But they're just like, oh yeah, he was, he was in a pod for the vampires. <laughs> no, he blew his brains out. We, <laughs> we, we, he was dying and then we heard the gunshot. Like that's, a, that's an important, poignant moment of the first movie. And they had the balls to kill him off, like this fan favourite character. Mm. They, Guess they didn't know he's going to be such a fan favorite, and mm. they're like, "Oh shit, uh, we can't do it without Whistler, so we better bring back him." <laughs> okay, sure, maintain the status quo, I guess. Mm. I, I, it's the classic sort of idea, I think, of an actual connection because Blade is a lone wolf character, but he has a support network through one individual, and obviously the film breaks out, and he has more things, bits and pieces, and blah blah blah. But you know, Whistler is his Alfred basically, and killing him off is a very bold move. Um, bringing him back is unfortunate. I don't like how they did it, but it's fine. Then, of course, Trinity kills him off again. We'll get, get back to that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think what Tim said about Blade being... Did you say better or more enjoyable, Tim? What was your, what was your wording? Uh, I don't know if it's better. I prefer it. That's fine. Yeah, I, think, mm. I think both are both are accurate to a degree. Mm. Um, I, I think we just need to talk about this, the history of this for a second because not in the sense of how it's made... I mean, just the, the 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 it was running parallel to some huge franchises, and it doesn't get enough credit. But let's face it, racist reasons. Um, <laughs> so every time there's like a, a headline that says, "Oh, like the first big R-rated superhero film," wrong. The first major black hero superhero, wrong. Yeah. Um, the first, you know, black superhero trinity, wrong. Um, and, and fun fact: Do you know why Wesley Snipes was cast as Blade? 
don't I must admit, I don't think I do. Is he so he was in talks to be playing Black Panther. They were oh, working shit. on a Black Panther yeah. movie. And it just never escaped production hell, basically. Yeah, like, yeah. well fuck, like I don't know, what else are we doing? Like I mean, we could we could buy the rights to Blade for like fifteen quid. Yeah. yeah. Marvel like, uh yeah, sure, have them. Yeah, do we like because Marvel were absolutely hemorrhaging money. just hemorrhaging money and selling off all their properties, hence yeah. how Spider-Man has ended up Sony and that whole thing. And then yeah, they were like, Well, we've got a really kick-ass dude who can do all the stunts and act and do all the martial arts and be a badass cool superhero. Mm-hmm. Fuck it, let's do Blade. And the weird thing is, like the comics, he is nowhere near as cool as he is no, in the film. God, yeah. All the all the powers and all the cool stuff that happens basically comes from the films. And then the comics are like, oh yeah, he's totally got super strength and super speed and and everything else. And he's like a super ninja mega badass. He he's basically his main power was he can't be converted into a vampire if he's bitten by a vampire. That was about it. And it was like, cool. <laughs> and he he originated in the 70s. Yes. So he was very much a kind of like the era where you got like Luke Cage and um, mm. a lot of the other kind of like African-American characters in Marvel coming through and they were just a bunch of dudes with afros kicking ass. And it was basically like black exploitation but comics. And then this film came out in the night in 1998 and it was like, oh, he's really cool. Like they've given him a bunch of superpowers and special weapons and all this cool shit. And he's like a... I don't know, there's nothing really to compare him to because it was the first big kind of outing from Marvel at that time in since, like, what, the, the Dorman, like, Fantastic Four era <laughs> and the, like, the shitty Captain America film they did, mm-hmm. like, the Hulk with Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while and then suddenly this thing comes out and it's like, oh, my God, this is, this is game-changing. This is suddenly really mature and made for adults and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's the thing is that people don't react realize how much of the blade character as he is now known both in films and in comics basically comes from wesley snipes <laughs> you know basically yeah. just being like so i should have worded that better yeah it's not from this film it's from wesley snipes. yeah <laughs> specifically um, yeah because the, the the comic character wasn't particularly beloved like you say didn't really have like the the the, the kind of a half vampire heritage stuff was kind of I think there, but not really played up. Um, definitely, yeah, they specifically call him a dumpier, which yeah. is a, a half vampire. Has, I always thing. hate that fucking. Stuff. It's terrible, but yeah. they call him like that. Like all the other vampires call him that in the comics, yeah. mm-hmm. and um, eventually he gets named Daywalker. Yes, a little which bit is smaller. a bit much better thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and like the look of him with all the leather and stuff like comes from this film, um, yep. and it also you know it kickstarts. The comic book movie. If it wasn't yes, for Blade, yes. then you would not have X Men, and then X- because Blade essentially you can kind of because it's so steeped in the mystical, the vampire stuff, doesn't really feel like a superhero movie in the traditional sense. Certainly in the sense mm-hmm. that Hollywood was used to when you look at something like Batman and Robin, kind of at the same time. Um, but it showed that you could the adapt. The same year as Batman and Robin, for the record. <laughs> yeah. 1998, it's the same year. So weird. <laughs> uh, it showed you could ad- adapt comic properties in a much more kind of adult way, which then led to X-Men, which led to Spider-Man, which, and now you've got your superhero boom. And then they took over the fucking world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, that's the thing. It's just those two titles specifically. X-Men, Spider-Man, Blade. At no point, does anyone mention Blade in the same conversation, even though all three of them had, uh, at that point at least, a trilogy where it was 
a brilliant first film, uh, arguably better follow-up film, and then a really, really bad <laughs> third film where it went <laughs> off really the fucking rails. They really did nail that pattern, yeah. didn't they? The, it's like, yeah, what the fuck is yeah. this? But first nobody two, talked about Blade. Fantastic. Third one, unwatchable tripe. And funny enough, we fixed the other three, <laughs> the threes from those other franchises in previous yeah. episodes. So I guess we're we're completing the trilogy of trilogies. It was a pioneer in so many ways, including in having a shit third film. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the trinity of terrible threequels, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that, I mean, I mentioned, mentioned this in my review, uh, many reviews of different films, that, you know, X-Men's the first big superhero film that pushes forward. The, and it is to a degree, because as Tim's already mentioned, Blade wasn't seen as a superhero film. It was seen as an action horror film. It was an R-rated movie. It was, you know, a, a, an African-American lead. It was It's also what... like shot like a martial arts film a lot yeah. of the time. Like mm. the action is very like mm. Hong Kong style with those long, wide corridor, mm-hmm. like really wide ratio shots and just extended fight scenes. Whereas in a lot of the superhero stuff, you get some action, but like it's a... think of the action in like the, the, the Raimi Spider-Man trilogy mm. or even the X-Men films it's a lot dialed down compared to what we get. Mm. Mm. Almost like the action for the Blade film is almost the selling point and then it's, oh, there's a bunch of lore and other shit. But like, yeah. watch him do backflips and kicks and stuff. <laughs> watch and, him spin kick a yeah. guy for 10 minutes. Yeah. And the thing is, all that is because they don't, um, well, I say partly because they don't spend the entire movie showing you the origin. The origin is almost shown in flashback mm. all the time and very briefly and obviously mm. as part of a big rug pull sort of story moment and that's good because most of the point at that at that stage yeah okay you know Daredevil and Spider-Man when they came out did the same thing and Fantastic Four origin movie origin movie origin movie and as we now know origin movies while they were always the original that's the most interesting story for the film executive point of view don't worry about the, the, the stuff they do after being a hero mm. how do they become the hero except that's like saying well, I was having a weird crisis and then I decided to join the army. Right? Okay. Do, do you want to talk about when you're in the army? Nah. <laughs> I'll tell you about my, my journey to the recruitment office. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> right, okay. I feel like, I mean, that's obviously a very important psychological part of why you become the person you are, but the things you did when you were serving abroad, that's what we want to talk about. No, shh. I don't want to tell you about that. It's like, oh, well, I kind of... So that's what we want to fucking see in here. Um, and it's the same yeah. thing here. It's like, we want to see the character be the fucking character. And obviously, yes, you want an origin, but you want to do it sparingly. Like again, you mentioned like, like Black Panther, for example. Another great example of, we're now at the stage where we don't really get the origin directly. You get it piecemeal through another movie and back so as well as, as, as a, you know. Same for the new Spider-Man, for Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Precisely, precisely. There has not been an origin story because we've seen that. We know it. Twice. In the last decade or so, mm-hmm. like 15 years or so. And I think the fact that Blade became such a cool character and, and Wesley Snipes kind of this action hero star is why Blade Trinity fails so much. And I mentioned he was a nightmare to work with. He was barely on set. He's barely, he's like phoning it in in the worst possible way. He's also like barely in the script, it seems, because yeah. the two main characters are Abigail and Hannibal. And it's a weird thing with like, because they were trying to spin them off into their own yes. series. I think it was a TV series they were trying to do. It was going to be like th- them going off and doing their own thing. Because this was just before Ryan Reynolds was like huge, hot, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. world's you know biggest superhero. Like we mentioned, he's the biggest R-rated superhero now. It's like, yeah, he, he was in one of them before. <laughs> <laughs> also doing the quips and being all handsome and that. Mm. The, the, the Okay, so I find it utterly fascinating that 
Each Blade film has a different director. That's almost fine. That mm-hmm. happens fairly frequently, unfortunately. And each one brings a different style to a degree, but they work. And I think I know where you're going, Matt. What I don't understand... One of my nemesis. <laughs> what I don't understand is how Goya wrote all three movies. One of, one of the Davids. And they all feel different in the writing department. And I mean, yes, that's obviously directorial traits. But like when we talk about, you know, who are we going to change for this? Are we going to change the cast? Are we going to change the director? Are we going to... I, 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 we keep going back to this. Yes, okay, the director doesn't like some... He's not the, the single auteur like Kubrick, but sometimes they really fucking can be. Sometimes they can take a script and go, yeah, yeah, ah, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. And a huge problem with Trinity is that Goya directed the fucking thing. Yeah. yeah. And Goya and, was a very inexperienced director at that point. And he was a very last minute choice. They tried yeah. to hire a bunch of other people and they were like, uh, nobody wants to touch this thing, so fuck it. Writer, do you want to direct? And he's like, uh, <laughs> sure. It. It's more money. I, I, <laughs> exactly. I heard that, um, again, like everything in the, in, in the industry, it's either probably all entirely true or none of it's true. But I, I heard that there was an original choice. And here's the thing. Everybody keeps saying the original director. Mm. No one to this day, I think, has mentioned who said director was other than they didn't go on with Snipes. Um, or more Which was apparently very easy to do. Yeah, and then Goya was their, their like last choice. Like, fuck it, we'll go with this. Uh, and again, Goya and Snipes didn't get on well. And as Jack already mentioned, um, there was reports of, report, you know, uh, only meeting via post-it notes, notes and not being on set using the stunt double on the stand in most of the time because he refused to be on set. Uh, I think Patton Oswald had one scene with Wesley Snipes specifically because everything else was the stand-in. Um, Snipes was, again, high all the time apparently and hated the script, hated that he was being pushed out in favour of um, Jessica Biel and um, Ryan Reynolds, hated the script, thought it was too goofy and, and stupid and the comedy was very immature. He wasn't Which wrong. Is, yeah, he's correct. He's, he's not wrong. Yeah. As much of an arsehole as he might have been to work with, he's not wrong. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I actually... I don't know... Because we, we, we have mentioned this before. We've mentioned before about and, and more about the idea of... Um, and I don't want to group this all together because obviously it's very different things, but the idea of a difficult woman to work with or a difficult person to work with. That may be because that person is an asshole, mm-hmm. or because that person is going through a lot of shit because the system is against them. Now, with Snipes, I don't fucking know. I, I, none of us know for, for, for true, but for, 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 for real. It's, I mean, shortly afterwards, he was done for tax evasion and a whole other bunch of shit. So. Yeah. He so he might be just, in the best place at the time. No, precisely. And I don't know if it's the sense that he is just um, a monumental douchebag or if he genuinely saw the film for what it was going to be, which was a piece of shit and was angry because he was contractually obliged, contractually obliged to do this movie. I, I, I would understand that frustration. But then I also don't understand to taking out on everybody around you and being an asshole. Also, both of those things can be true at the same time. Like, that's, you oh, can know you're yeah. in a train wreck yeah. and also be an asshole to everyone around you. That's <laughs> entirely accurate. Yep. Yes, exactly. Um, and also, let's face it, there are so many movies, we've talked about some actors in the past, when we like, oh, we're bringing this actor, oh, fantastic, I like that, I love them. Even when they're in a shit film, they, they somehow get out squeaky clean like The Rock. It's like, how does he do it? How is it like, if he, he's, he's in a so much film? shit. It's yeah, <laughs> terrible films, but he comes out and we all go, oh, I love The Rock. It's like, how? Good old um, Dwayne. Yeah, so it's that sense, you, you can rise above that shit and be the best part. You could have the review saying, the best part of this movie is this person, mm. you be a better person. But again, it's terrible, but yeah. <laughs> Dwayne so we was don't, great. We don't know the truth of it. We only know what's been reported. And that's, to be fair, sometimes very, very, you know, reliable. So Blade Trinity, 
So Blade 1 and Blade 2, following on stories, the world changes a bit from Blade 1 and Blade 2, but it's still, and it very much like the kind of universe that the, the, the director's looking for. They've got the very slick 90s uh, martial arts driven, everything is cool as fuck. And then you've got the very deep, supernatural, law driven, everything in fucking jars, del Toro kind of thing. <laughs> and then you've got Goya's film. Yeah. Well, the big thing, I'm sorry to jump in there yeah, quickly, course, but course. the biggest thing between the first two for me, like thinking back and researching, because spoiler alerts, I'm writing this one. Yeah. Uh, and I've yet again moved the location. And the thing with Blade is the first one is in LA mostly. Mm. Yep. And then the second one is in like Prague for most of it. Yeah. Like, okay, sure. Like, vampires in like, Europe makes sense. He, he's not like stuck in one location. There's not like a, and I think that that helps the Eastern European feel of it. Mm. I mean, not again, not to make an early 2000s reference, but it kind of feels like there's bits in XXX. Yeah. You're like, yeah. oh, wow, this feels very Eastern European. They've got this very clear, like, it, you know, it's post-Soviet architecture. It's all that kind of stuff. There's lots of mm. fucking terrible techno music. It's just <laughs> you, know, you know how it is. And but I think that shift from LA to Prague makes a huge difference. And combine that with the director changing, I think that that is what keeps the film fresh from not being just oh, it's just another Blade movie. Like now he's in Prague fighting m- monster predator vampires <laughs> yeah. and stuff. It's really cool. I think they should have done it again where they went and moved to Africa or Australasia or Asia. Just like, keep moving, Blade. Be on the run. <laughs> I, I have moved him. So Ooh. There we, go. there we go. Nice. Nice. We don't, we don't know about that. We, we made a little... This is completely... Um, yes, this is new for, new for the season. Yeah. New season. Way. Rather than us reading through in advance, making our notes and stuff, we're going in blind. So it will be... For, <laughs> as much as it would be a surprise <laughs> for... For you, the listener, it's a surprise for us too. Which we have done before. We have on for, episodes. For, for specific pitches, uh, at the request of the writer, be like, okay, guys, I want you to experience this, how the listeners <laughs> I did that for my uh, Fantastic you, Beasts one. <laughs> exactly. Perfect example being Fantastic Beasts, where you had the, the twist reveal of some of the identities of the characters and all yeah, that kind of yeah. stuff. I have done that in this one as well. Mm. There's some twists and turns that you might not expect coming. Um, hopefully there's a moment where you go, Ah, oh, holy shit, okay, cool. That's Vampire mech suits? <laughs> <laughs> you had me at meh. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that is the plan for the rest of the season. We're going to go in blind, yes. all of us. It'll be fun. For the, yeah, it's going it's to be interesting. So we're going to read along with you, essentially, listen, and all, all discover it together and discover ourselves in a way. At the tone, turn the page. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> So Blade Trinity, I, I find fascinating for lots of reasons because I don't think there's much of a theme. I don't think there's much of a creative style to it visually. I don't think there's much of anything going on other than much what we've discussed in Spider-Man 3 and much what we've discussed in X-Men 3, Lost Stand, the idea of we want to spin this off into something else and you're so distracted with what you want to spin it off to, you're ruining the thing you're meant to be the launch pad. Having said that, and this is kind of the bit, I'm not going to talk about like Rotten Tomato scores just yet, but we're talking about money. Mm. These films, all three of them, very similar budgets, very similar box office. So despite the quality being varied and appealing to different audiences in different different capacities, the films made the same fucking money every single time. And I am always so surprised by that. I mean, it kind of makes sense because I think if, uh, and, and we'll get to this when we do Rotten Tomatoes, I have no idea what how they rated the first two. Um, but I have a feeling that most critics probably looked at them and went, it's a perfect, it, like, either it's an adequate action film, whatever, or there were people who were like, 
I don't like this for whatever reason. And so I'll, you know, I'll say it's stupid because vampires or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, And so I can imagine the kind of people who were going to see the Blade films in cinema or, you know, this was definitely the period where VHS and DVD meant that a lot of people found the film later and would, Mm. you know, watch it over and over again. There'll be people who are like, I don't care what the critics say. I like Blade. I'm going to see this third Blade Blade film. You know, and so... I think the the contribution of home video, especially with the advent of DVDs in the early 2000s, like a lot of people, their first DVD was something like The Matrix. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of other people, it was Blade. Yeah. Mm. And it came out on like Laserdisc and all a bunch of other shit. But mm. the, the the birth of DVD happened at this exact point in the like late 90s, early 2000s. And this franchise was just at that right point. And it made extra like like millions of dollars in the home video sections. Because suddenly it's in blockbusters, suddenly it's being you know bought and rented out and all this kind of stuff, and it is a very rewatchable. Oh, we'll rent. Mm. Oh, yeah, have you seen Blade? Oh, yeah, we'll just stick it on and like get a bunch of like teenagers around and we all watch Blade together and all that kind of stuff. It's full of gore and violence and swearing and yeah, <laughs> that kind of thing. See, I I was personal history time. There we go. So I'm I was the perfect age for the Blade trilogy. Blade came out when I was 14 years old. I just moved to Norwich. Um, I couldn't see it because it was in the cinema. Um, I did manage to get the DVD. Um, and I went into the Star Wars Emporium in Norwich <laughs> on what, like Lower Goat Lane or whatever it's called. Yep. Um, I don't know what the fuck it is now. Is it, is it Biddy's Tea Room, I think, maybe? Not sure. Either way, it was this very small um, hole-in-the-wall kind of geek ephemera kind of place. And I bought my Blade poster and I put it on my wall. Um, and then Blade 2 came out um, in 2002. And I was 18 put, at that and point. And you put a second poster up next. <laughs> Over the top of it, yeah. <laughs> um, and Blade 2 was fucking great. I loved it. And I was, again, I was 18. I went, to, I went to that one in the cinema and I enjoyed the shit out of it. Blade Trinity came out and I was 20 uh, in 2004. I want to say I saw it in America. Um, oh, interesting. I fucking hated it. And <laughs> as, as is the thing that happens to me a lot, because of my age, where it's like 16, fucking loved it. 18, fucking loved it. 20, fucking hated it. And it seems to be like, I don't mean like a maturity or an age thing or me just, you know, rebelling against my um, geek calling, as it were. And like, oh, no, no, I, I don't like anime anymore. I like these things. It's like, no, you don't. I'm trying to impress a girl. Shut up. And it's like, fine. Um, that kind of thing. But Blade Trinity, I was, I was very consciously aware that this was a bad movie. And I could understand why it was a bad for you. 2004, by the way, I should point out, is where I started reviewing films professionally um, at, at, uh, at 20 years old. So um, I didn't review Blade Trinity specifically because I think it came out like a month or so before my first review, um, which was <laughs> Alexander. You know what your first review was? Alexander. The oh, great, wow. Um, <laughs> the, the, Oliver the not Stone so great. <laughs> no, I, I gave it an okay review. I thought it was all right. I saw what it was trying to do. Um, I still think it's okay. It's not good, good though. Um, you're too kind in some of your reviews sometimes, Matt. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and that's what we're here for. <laughs> Tearing things down. Exactly. Um, but Blade Trinity, I didn't like personally. I, I, at that point, I was like, oh, it's got Triple H. Nope, don't like that. It's got Parker Posey. She's good. Um, Jessica Biel, I, I, can't, I can't stress this enough. Jessica Biel is trying so fucking hard. She does a great job of being a fucking amazing action hero in the sense that she is, you know, muscularly ripped 
and really agile and does her own stunts. And it's like, you're doing good, except I hate you as a character. I yeah. hate that you're Whistler's daughter that has just been absent from the plot. I don't like that. I don't like a lot of things that are going on here. It's like, I want to kill vampires, except I don't want to kill this one. I want to toy with them for a cool action sequence that's drawn out long. It's like, yeah, this isn't working for me. And Dominic Purcell as fucking Dracula. Oh my God, yeah. We need to talk about fucking Dracula in this film. And that might be the biggest problem with this film. Might be my, my biggest yeah. irk with this fucking I, movie. I gotta say, because... as, a, as a Prison Break fan... And oh. as somebody who enjoys, shall we say, his weird performance in the Legends of Tomorrow TV stuff. I was going to say, Legends of Tomorrow is what I'm thinking. I think yeah. he's relatively well placed in certain roles and he can be quite funny for TV. Um, I don't particularly like Dominic Purcell just walking on a film set going, hello. I don't use the term charisma vacuum lightly. <laughs> <laughs> but fuck me, Dominic Purcell does absolutely nothing in this film. And every line delivery and every action that Drake, fuck you, he's called Drake. <sighs> Everything that he does, he's boring and pointless and unnecessary. And he is one of the worst villains I've ever seen on screen. He is just awful. The Blade films are pretty, the, the first two are pretty good in terms of their villains. Like, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Fuck, what's his name in the first Stephen one? Dorf. Stephen Dorf in the first one. Deacon Frost is fantastic. Yeah, he is he's hamming it up. He's he said he based his performance on Jack Nicholson's Joker. And you oh, can definitely yeah, tell. Yeah. He yeah. is just like prancing about and being all weird and creepy and putting mm. on a voice and being very theatrical. He's great. He's really he's really hateable, but also cool at the same time. Yeah. Um in the second one, you've got Fucking Luke Goss. Luke Goss, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's tragic and, you know... Yeah, uh, he's, almost not, he's almost not a villain in a strange way. Yeah. He's, he's, he's an anti-hero sort of villain. And yeah. the real villain is um, Thomas fucking Crashman. And it's yeah. Like, brilliant. Yep. As, as a Nosferatu-looking motherfucker. Yeah. And then in this film... Damaskinos. Yeah. Get fucking fantastic. Man. Fucking... Like, it should be, you know, it should be, like, the idea... The, the two core ideas in this film are pretty good. Blade versus Dracula. Yeah, fuck yeah, I want to see that. And yeah. Blade teams up with a hu team of human hunters. Fine, that's that. That can be perfectly fine. But the execution of both those things is so awful. Yeah. Like the Blade <laughs> and and uh Dracula like have a maybe two Drake, scenes. Please. Drake please. have maybe two <laughs> scenes together. The design oh, for Drake both his like human form quote, and monster form. Quote unquote design. It's just Dominic Purcell in a fucking vest. Yeah. <laughs> He's just um, a, he just looks like an Eastern European gangster bloke, which I, yeah. I guess is the point, but like he just looks like he a He looks bloke. like a, a backstreet boy's rejection. You're like, nah, not him. He aged wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like he's like you say, he's such a wooden presence in this film there's so many times where like there's stuff going on and he's just standing there like a fucking doorknob <laughs> like the foot chase between him and blade oh, where he oh, ends up on fuck. the roof with the baby oh, yeah, and it's oh. directed in the least tense possible way <laughs> and it's just them it feels like it goes on for about five minutes of them just just running just running around running through buildings and then they end up on a roof and he has a baby. And chucks a baby. And chucks a baby. 
calling back to Deacon Frost chucking the girl into yes. the road in the yeah. first one, I guess. Because yeah. that's a Blade villain trope is, yeah. oh, I'm going to throw a kid at you. <laughs> Catch kid. I, yeah. I must admit, I, I, I actually, I would partly disagree with Tim, not saying that it's a good performance or that was a great chase scene. <laughs> French connection, eat your fucking heart out. Um, no, I, I, I think Blade should have killed the baby. <laughs> just eats him and goes, yeah. Just fucking roundhouse kick him straight back at Dracula, <laughs> knock him off the building. Um, he does tear a dude's throat out and then throw the throat at another guy at one point, which is the best. It just like splats in his face. So I'd, I'd see him do that with a baby. <laughs> Spin kick a baby. It was 2004. Anything could happen. Um, <laughs> Anything I, goes. I, I have a problem because um, anytime you have a famous vampire hunter or vampire mythology that's, let's say, long running, let's say two or three films deep or several series deep, anytime they bring actual, in inverted commas, real Dracula in. <laughs> I get you know, angry. Real guy Dracula. Real Dracula. You know, the one that lives on 47th Street. No, no, yeah, I get really for a rapper. I get fucked off because um it's like I feel like you've 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 like hit a wall of like, no, you fucked it now. You've yeah. you've you've run out of ideas. And then I that's not the case. In well written, it could be really, really good. But for my line, it's like we brought him back. He's Dracula, Drake. And it's like, fuck off. Because you've now we know nothing about him, but he's the first of his kind. Then you know a lot about him right now. You're talking <laughs> shit. Thing number two is an example. I think what is it was maybe series five. I could be wrong. Buffy the Vampire Slayer mm. brought in Dracula, and I hated it so much because <laughs> his performance was like oh, Dracula, and it's like long, sort of stupid. It's like this is dumb, and I was like, I don't know. It's like, no, actually that he doesn't get killed. He becomes smoke, goes back in again into his coffin. Like, I see you. It's like, oh no, back into my coffin. It's like, <laughs> this is awful. And I, I hate it so much. And the same thing with here. Anytime you say like, okay, we've got this. I'm trying to have another. If, okay, let's, let's take, for example, um, uh, uh, Interview the Vampire. Okay, another, another vampire thing. We'll take that one. And they say, right, what are we going to do with a sequel? Dracula. <laughs> Fuck off. Hate that idea. Hate that. Interview with a Dracula. Yeah. I'm only okay with it in like Hotel Transylvania or some shit where he is Dracula. I mean, it, it, just, it just really, I don't know. Something about it pulls it back into something. If I'm being blunt, in the same way that I think this movie, maybe it wasn't this movie, but it was a trilogy. I don't, I don't know which one it was, which Blade film. One of them acknowledges a Marvel comic about. It's, it's this one. It is this one. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they have the Tomb of Dracula comics, which is where Blade... Which is where Blade debuted. Yeah. yeah. God damn it. <laughs> so, exactly. Thank you. And so, it's like the... Layers, Matthew. Layers. Layers upon layers of bullshit. Yeah. Um, you know what I miss from The Dark Knight? Him suddenly reading a fucking copy of The Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so God. the idea that um, anything that acknowledges the mythology that we understand brings it into a campy nature that you've done a lot to get away from. You've made these things menacing, you've made them terrifying, you've made them of an actual threat to the characters. Vampires in the first one are real and terrifying and awful fucking almost post-yuppie bastards who are like just happy to lay around just like cutting their hands off and go la 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 la. It's like <laughs> you are the worst fucking people. You know, like like an after party in Hollywood. And then you have the 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 del toro version which is actual monsters with their their like what's the vampires afraid of these fucking cthulhu mouth motherfuckers yeah. and it's like that's brilliant the vampire that kills vampires yeah that's cool what's this film got 
Pomeranian. It's like, oh my God. That okay. Fucking, fucking Pomeranian. Yeah. And what else have you got here? We've also got Dracula. It's like, <laughs> and Triple H. Triple H. <laughs> have you know what my dick looks like? <laughs> um, yeah, I, oh, I, I have a real problem with the, the idea of bringing Dracula in personally. Um, but also, just to stick with the Triple H for a second here, mm. um, none of the vampires feel cool. No, yeah. no, no. Can, can either of you sticking in Triple H? Can either of you remember his character's name because it is yes the best. It's Jake Grimlaw no. or some <laughs> shit. Yeah, <laughs> yes, Gr- but no. Gregor Darkwood or something. Jarko Grimwood. There we are. Oh, so close. You're so we very close. We sound like Jarko we were in the Grimwood. Like, like in a brainstorming session, we're like coming up with the shit names, and it just that's how it goes down. Yeah. It's yeah. such a fucking like my fourteen-year-old's like vampire the masquerade character name. Yes, that is exactly yes. what that is. Um, yeah, this is like. It's so annoying because they've built up a very interesting, like, because it's been handled, you would think because it's Goya writing all of them, it would feel consistent across the films. Yeah, seriously. But because the, because the directors have such an impact on this franchise, it feels, they feel very different, but kind of, co- you can kind of imagine how they're cohesive, especially because, mm-hmm. like you say, we change location between Blade 1 and Blade 2. You go, okay, well, this is what LA vampires are like, and there's nods towards the idea that there's this kind of old-world conspiracy to them, but Deacon Frost is very, he's positioned as this guy who's like, you're a modern vampire who doesn't like old traditions. And then in the second one, we see those old traditions and also the new scary vampires that they've made. Yeah, And then this film... They forget that the police are all under the control of the vampires because they do yep. a whole thing of like, oh, we've got to frame him to get the police to go after Blade. It's like hate that you're so meant much. to you're meant to be in control of the you you it's are the this whole corruption thing. That's the yeah. whole you are the establishment. The secretly control the world. Yeah, yeah. you mm. can just click click your fingers and the police would be after Blade. And then, like I said, the the idea of having some human hunters is not terrible, but for them. Vampires should be absolutely terrifying because Blade, you know, Blade kicks vampire ass, but he is a vampire and has been doing it for a long while. These people should struggle to take down one vampire, and they don't. They're they are basically exactly on the same level as Blade, which makes Blade look shit, and the vampires they're fighting look shit. The only because he's got all the cool special powers and the gadgets, and they're just like, yeah, we're just cool people. Yeah. Yep. The only people it sort of tries to make look cool are Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Biel, but then it also makes them annoying, and so they, yeah. that doesn't work either. Yeah, and and Hannibal King, Ryan Reynolds' character, is is a former vampire. Yeah, that who was cured, cured. Isn't there some shit? And yes, they just cured after five years, which means it? which means Blade's been going around killing a bunch of people who he could cure. Yeah, Whoops. apparently we have a cure because. Because Karen in the first one kind of comes up with a cure and she like stops her own bite yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But he's like, oh yeah, I, I, I was a full-on vampire for five years and now I'm fine. But I've also, I'm also like, you know, really buff and like super agile <laughs> and super strong and stuff, which is how he is in the comics, to be fair. Like he retains a bunch of his powers. He's basically white blade. blade. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, well, if you can cure the... How did you cure... Why aren't you yeah. curing... Everyone, why isn't that? Why isn't that so this, what? Yeah, this brings us to the end of the film. Thank fuck. <laughs> Where 
they the cure vampires virus. and it goes into the system and becomes coronavirus um, and just spreads <laughs> yeah. around you breathe it in and you get no vampires it's oh, like, it, the dumbest right. fucking looking graphics the, the yes you got the literally like a, a blood vessel being infused by a bit of purple if i remember correctly that's that's how that but the point is that this thing spreads the graphics around the world and the thing with the fucking blood vessels oh yeah along. that was good for his time yeah <laughs> um so the film ends with this shit and effectively as far as we are aware kills the franchise by eradicating vampires correct mm-hmm. i don't no know how vampire. it's supposed to affect blade don't worry about that um, they, they talk about it in the in the in, narration at the end. In, yeah, in the, 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 there's a director's yeah. cut where it confirms that he survives. Ah, there, whereas in the, in the original the, one, it's just the left. The human half of his heart kept beating, but it was very slow. So he went into a coma. This is Ryan Reynolds narrating, by the way. And he went into a coma. Okay, so nice. everything is fine. And Blade continues his eternal fight against the the yeah. crawling undead or whatever. And the, like, bo- the body they find at the end is actually Drake. Who's disguised yes. himself as Yeah, and, and there's what? even an extended cut where Drake transforms back into Drake and murders the doctors and is alive at the end. Okay, fine, fine. That's bullshit, but fine. <laughs> so <laughs> the ending you've seen is probably the best and it's garbage. <laughs> the other two are even well, worse. Have you guys seen the alternative ending with in I want to say Macau, possibly? Okay. So Macau. Uh, yeah. Um it's either in Somewhere in Central China or Macau or something like that. But the point is that um, it's Jessica Biel and Ryan Reynolds turning up a casino. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. The casino is where Goya has his cameo. And I don't remember if it's just a bad joke that didn't make any sense or if they're actually were implying this, but they said, uh, Ryan Reynolds goes into this bar and he's like, hey, all the vampires are gone now. And he's like, yeah, what are you hunting now? And this thing comes crashing through the wall and it's a fucking werewolf. Um, <laughs> And he's, he's, he says the joke, what do you get when you cross a vampire and a werewolf? Uh, a fur coat oh, that clings, clings to your, to your neck, neck or some bullshit? Yep. The fuck? Anyway, but the point is, it's like, wait, so is that a vampire werewolf? Or is it just a terrible joke? I don't understand. <laughs> and they, you know, do their thing and it cuts to they're, black. They're, they're underworlding it is what they're doing. <laughs> Effectively, yeah, because it's like, yeah. like, now they're just monster hunters. See you in the series that's never been made or the film that's never been a spin-off. Um, but obviously they didn't use that that shot at all or any of that, any of that bullshit. Um, Thank God. It, it's a very good prosthetic werewolf, all things considered, uh, I guess. But the point is, <sighs> what's that, three or four different endings? All of them terrible? I feel this film <laughs> yep. had no idea where it was going to go with it, what it did with it, everything yep. felt bad no matter what. Um, and I, again, I don't know if people have seen this, but I remember because I have it on on DVD. Um, the in the age of DVD extras, padding out your DVD with shit. Sometimes you have a really good cut. Like like the best example is Children of Men, uh, Alfonso Cuarón film, where they release this one disc piece of crap, and and it was an awful cover on it. And and Cuarón said, "This is terrible. We're not having this." I will pay my own money to have a proper two-disc edition good, DVD. Good on Alfonso Cuaron. That's I mean, awesome. Being the filmmaker, it makes complete sense. He's, they also yeah, said cool. for a limited period of time, they printed this like Empire Magazine. I know because I fucking did it. They said, if you send you your DVD, your one-disc DVD to this <laughs> location, we will send you a free two-disc copy because we'll you bought the crap We'll upgrade your edition. Precisely. For a limited period. Like, we'll we'll, like, we'll pull months. the little sleeve out and just slot a new <laughs> one, <laughs> one And just slide a disc in. Um, yeah. But the two-disc was great because it had all this behind-the-scenes stuff about all the one-shot cameras they did, all the CGI interviews with the oh, things. Like, f- the, like one of the most famous one-shots in 
exactly like the, the modern era of cinema. <laughs> yeah, the, the the one disc had like this really rushed three minute piece of crap, sort of like children men. What is this bullshit? But that one had like proper interviews and all that sort of stuff. They said we shot this behind the footage scenes. Why aren't you using it? So Blade Trinity has a bloopers and outtakes reel. And I want to say it's like five or six minutes long. Yep. Pretty sure you can find it on YouTube probably. It's painful. It's <laughs> painful to watch. You should be able to watch those kind of things like four or five minutes, wherever it's going to be, and go, this looks like the most fun anyone's ever had. Well, they were have, at least they were, I mean, the film's not great, but at least they were having fun. Exactly. Yeah. It wants to be the kind of environment you go, yes. And when it ends, you go, ah, shit, I wanted more of that. And you don't see enough of those things now with blooper reels. It's actually uncomfortable because the way it's shot, the, the things they're showing you, A, aren't funny. <laughs> B, aren't entertaining. And C, the, that's the best they have. <laughs> mm. um, so the, the, I think the only thing that makes people laugh in that whole thing is in the middle, Ryan Reynolds says this bit about, oh, you know, dark core trip up, whatever it is. Me, I'm a, I'm a Kenny G fan before he sold out. Or me, I'm a... Clay Aiken fan. He just does all his. Oh, yeah, you know, he, he read like like he does with every Deadpool line. He just exactly. does it. Yeah, it's him and his element stuff. And obviously, there's almost nothing for Wesley Snipes because he's barely on set. Um, there's a bit where the baby is crying and Dominic Purcell can't get the baby to calm down. Um, <laughs> it looks like he's on a stand, and it's like. Oh, and, and does Wesley Snipes go over and go, "Kuchikoo!" <laughs> punches the, the baby in the face it's and says, "Be professional, motherfucker." <laughs> um, no, it, it's it's been a painful experience, and it's like. There's things like, oh, look at this, you know, uh, Jessica Biel's trying to rise into shot and her flick blade, a hidden blade thing on her wrist goes shing, except it doesn't. Oh, and it does it three times, except you can tell on her fucking face where she says, I can't, I can't. And it's just like, obviously, it's music going over the top of it. So you can't actually see what she's saying, but you can very clearly say this isn't working. And she looks so fucking angry. Like, this looks like a horrible experience for everyone. This looks really fucking bad. Um, and that's not what you want to see from a bloopers outtakes or anything. And I think genuinely, I'm not going to really say anything to, to Goya's credit. I will say, if <laughs> you are inexperienced or not used to a certain type of direction or film, you will end up punching out something that's going to be very unfortunate. Um, the Michael Fassbender film, The Snowman, comes to mind, where they said, mm. yeah, we, we, we screwed this. Um, it, <laughs> terrible experience. Um, like, like real nightmare behind the scenes. It's the same reason they gave uh, the best editing Oscar to Bohemian Rhapsody. Because it's like, Fucking this isn't the best editing. <laughs> no, but it was a miracle they got anything done with what they had. So oh, yeah. congratulations to you. That's why you deserve they had, this they award. They had barely any coverage for that film. Yeah. And, and coverage for listeners who don't know is like, you get extra shots and extra takes just in case there's a there was an audio issue they didn't pick up on mm. set or whatever it was. Just do a couple of extra ones as a backup just in case. And those backups and extra takes are usually called coverage. So Precisely. if something goes wrong and there's suddenly a truck drives past in the background and you're doing a period drama, but you didn't notice it or whatever, you can still have another take that there's a backup for. And for Bohemian Rhapsody, it was basically nothing and they used what they shot. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. And that causes a lot of issues because you've got like David Fincher who does an entire day shooting for one very small scene mm. over and over mm. and over. Quite famously, to, yeah. Yeah, to have as many takes as he can to play with. You have Akira Kurosawa who would do millions of rehearsals before he started rolling the camera because he obviously wanted to make sure he had tons of things and to edit. And you get like two takes and then... Yeah, exactly. Because you've honed your <laughs> yeah. craft, I guess. The alternative is when you get like Solo, for example, where they shot only what they wanted to, the um, mm. uh, Lord and Miller combo, so that, that Disney couldn't change the edit. Yeah. And it's like, we're only shooting these, these lines and they're all the same, you know, improv dialogue stuff. 
And then you get Ron Howard in who would do his own thing, the sort of regular studio way. And like, great, we can change things up if we need to, whatever. Yeah, Marvel is famous for doing super tons of coverage so they can basically make eight different films in the edit if they need to. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's worth pointing out that we often, you know, we talk about how oftentimes, you know, uh, women directors or directors of colour will maybe not get as many opportunities uh, in Hollywood, you know, possibly. There's some institutional stuff going on there. Uh, No. But... But you get a lot of white direct white male directors who seem to kind of like fail upwards uh, in a lot of oh, ways. Oh, the, the Davids, you mean? Uh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think it's worth pointing out that even though Goya has continued to get lots of work as a scriptwriter, he has made two other films after this. That is all. Yeah. Uh, he which... directed. He's directed four films in total yes. and written like two dozen. Yeah. And he's written big. He's written like Batman v Superman, Batman Begins. Uh, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a but, bunch of other but stuff. But for someone so embedded in Hollywood yeah. to fuck up and c- so clearly not be meant to direct, <laughs> because like you would think that if he's if he's an, this writer who is really embedded with all these studios producing stuff for them, their go-to guy for a lot of the superhero stuff, at a time when superhero movies are taking off, you would think he would be a natural. And they so clearly, no one has any faith in him as a director because he's made, yeah, like you say, he made one movie before Blade Trinity. And then since then, he's made two shitty looking horror films and five episodes of TV. Um, Do you know, there's a really strange parallel there because Stephen Norrington made a film before Blade called Death Machine. Uh, Literally, it's it's billed as a Japanese-British cyberpunk horror film. It's, um... It's fine, if I'm honest. I think it's quite interesting in places, but mostly it's just very forgettable B-movie schlock. They did Blade, great success. They did one called Last Minute, very uh, independent movie, um, sort of urban gothic sort of thing. It was, it, was, it, was, it was interesting. And then he made The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and swore he would never make another film ever again after working with now dead Sean Connery and just going, I hate this fucking movie. And he's yep. been tipped like, oh, I'm going to do the new Clash of Titans film. Didn't. I'm going to do the new Crow film. Didn't. Um, so unlike... Goya, who is still very much in the industry, mm. Norrington did Blade, made one more big film, went, fuck, nah, yeah. I can't do this, and just spiralled out. Which so is weird. a shame, because I, I, I think Blade 1, like I say, I, I think is really good and has a lot of really interesting stylistic qualities to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think the fault with League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was his. <laughs> Not um, entirely, no. The LXG. Norrington has been attached to The Crow. He's been attached to like Shang-Chi, which has now come back. That This mm. was back in the early yeah, 2000s when first, it came back yeah. around and now it's coming back around again for, for MCU, Marvel Studios to do it. And it's like, he was, I think he was even attached to the Akira film that they were planning to do in like the mid-90s. And again, that's come round again with none of his involvement. Yeah. So he seems to be involved in projects that just stay in production hell he drops out of it, and then 25 years later, they're like, do you want to pick this up again? Like, yeah, fuck it, why not? Yeah, sure. Norrington's not interested. We'll, we'll find someone else. <laughs> I, I, um, I feel like we're, we're kind of uh, wrapping up on our, our thoughts about Blade Trinity here. There's a couple of things that I want to pick out just as Please. moments that I hate so much. Oh, the Tim's <laughs> signature nitpicking, I love it. Yes. We should have like a title bit. music for this bit. <laughs> 
the, segment. The fucking laser bow that they have Ooh. in this film. This is Tim's segment and that's not how that works. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> it's just so... The, the, the Klingon laser batleth. Yeah. And it's like, if you've got the technology to do that, why aren't you just firing fucking ray guns at these vampires? I'm sorry. If she is to be believed, Jessica Biel's character says, it's half the heat of the sun. Yes. yes. That's what I don't she says. know what that means. So it's, it's doing nuclear fission or fusion or something like in the, yeah. in the, bl- the blade of this thing. She also spins it around very precariously. It's like that feels yeah. like the most inefficient way, like, like a lightsaber. That's not the weapon the, or the stance you have. It's not, it's not Katana sort of kendo style. You do it as fencing, keep it as far away from you as <laughs> fucking possible. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure if you like go frame by frame, the bit where she like switches it on while the vampire's grappling her, I'm pretty sure it would slice her in half as well. <laughs> yeah, like, almost certainly, yeah. And, the fucking the bit where they're they're at the 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 what are they the Night Stalkers HQ yeah, and yeah. they're talking about Dracula and they're like oh we've got this tiny chip of his armor that we found oh, and through that we've been able to extrapolate exactly what he looks like and it's like Ugh. what the fuck and are then you he talking does about? and then he just has a I'm giant... not gonna lie that reminds me of that breakdown of the bullet bullshit in the Dark Knight where it's like yeah. we've got a thumbprint from a bullet it's like I'm sorry. What? Sorry, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh god! Don't let David Goya near technology or <laughs> detective stuff. I guess. What a oh, clown! Oh so we should get to fixing this, Jack. Yes, we shall. But before that, it's time for some ads. We have some brand new ads this time, listeners, for the new season. We've got some new ads. Isn't it exciting? But I'll kick things off with a good old favourite. Stitcher Premium, it's still here. Don't you worry. And as you probably already know from previous seasons and all that kind of stuff, Stitcher Premium is a fantastic podcast listening app. You can listen to some of your favorite shows ad-free using Stitcher Premium. And you can also get access to original shows, bonus content, comedy albums, all that good stuff included in the wonderful package that is Stitcher Premium. You can get access to it for $4.99 per month, or you can do an annual fee of $34.99. You can go to stitcher.com slash premium and sign up today using the promo code SEQUALIZERS and you get one month extra for free. Nice and easy, and it's a lovely, lovely podcast app. And our second sponsor for this episode, that's right, second sponsor, yeah, we're professionals now, (laughs) don't you know, is a company called Podgo. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, which is exactly what we're doing right now. If you're a fellow podcaster like us and you want a flat rate for an ad space so you always know how much you're going to get when you include an ad from Podgo, perfect time to sign up. You can apply today, become a member, and immediately get connected with advertisers that fit you, your show, and your audience. That's podgo.co. So P-O-D-G-O.co and go and sign up. Oh, and don't forget to mention us when it says, how have you heard about Podgo? And uh, let them know the Sequelizers boys sent you. So if any fellow podcasters out there do want to get some more ads and some more sponsorships, I recommend working with Podgo. They've been great for us and you'll hear them a lot more later in the season. So it is my duty, my honour to Mm. uh, present you with the Rotten Tomato scores. But before I can do that, 
these gentlemen have a good guess at them. As with previous seasons, we know they're not a perfect indicator. We know it's not exactly a 100% score of the of the film itself. It's an aggregate of all the above average reviews and things. We understand, but it's a fun little thing we like to do. And sometimes it's a reasonable metric. Although to be fair, on, on occasion, we do say uh, a classic Jack catchphrase, fuck off, because <laughs> either it's too That's high or too low. <laughs> Um, so, gentlemen, as always, we've got Blade, Blade 2, Blade Trinity. I'm not going to bother with this series. Nobody cares. No, no, no bollocks to that. So, Fe- featuring um, Sticky Fingers, the <laughs> Sticky Fingers. Because they couldn't get Wesley Snipes to come back for love nor money. No, and uh, <laughs> also, prison. he went to jail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> love nor money or parole. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or bail on Although, actually, I, would, I bet you could get a really good comic arc about Blade getting sent to prison and there being a vampire oh, yeah. prison gang. Yeah, Brubaker the, wrote with Daredevil. I'm not, great. I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. work pretty well. Yeah. And all the wardens are vampires. And, <laughs> yeah, pretty great. Um, that's my pitch. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay, we've skipped ahead. Blade you the plan. in prison. <laughs> Called Blade Breakout. So Tim picked up on an interesting thing earlier. I don't know how these were critically received at the time, mm. and I think this is going to be lower than we expect because of that. Yeah. I think people didn't because also del toro speaking of blade 2 wasn't as revered and untouchable and oscar winning as he is now so early 2000s del toro is like okay that's cool and we appreciate it now we go back and look at all the effects and oh my god yeah he's a master and Mm. we've talked about him plenty of times on the show before but yeah i have a feeling they're going to be lower than we expect so Mm -hmm. going for blade one i'm gonna go i'm gonna go for a nice round number i'll go 70 Okay, Tim. Oof, that's that's right about where I was thinking. So mm. I'm going to go a yeah. bit higher and go. Price is right time. Uh, let's say 76 for Blade One. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. By the way, if not that I'm uh, playing as it were, because I know the answers. Um, but I would actually agree with you both entirely. I think a 73, 74, so like sort of mid 70s mm. right? Yeah, that's fair for for Blade. That makes sense. Yeah, solid. Yeah. Blade Two, on the other hand. Blade Two, the bladening. Ooh. I reckon it's going to be about the same. It's my guess. Because I think, again, I think people have seen the first one and been the second one and been like, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it's fine. Mm. And even as, as Tim mentioned earlier, some people do prefer the first one. So I will go ever so slightly higher. I will go for 73 for okay, Blade 2, okay. please. Just a smidge higher. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think, again, like Del Toro, especially doing something like Blade, I think he is a, to, to a certain degree, he's an acquired taste. Like, you've got to be the kind of person who, when they do the vampire autopsy, goes, that's so fucking cool, rather yeah, than, yeah. oh, I don't want to see that. <laughs> this is gratuitous. Yeah. And, and you wonder why I brought him in for my Thing prequel last year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's go, uh, let's go around 80. Ooh, okay, okay. Again, if I was playing the game... Who knows what I'd do. But for me personally, yeah, I think it's a it's a Reason. solid four yeah. out of five. I think it's a high eighties for me personally. Yep. Right, Blade fucking Trinity. Right, <laughs> here we go. No messing about. This has got to be low. This has to be if this isn't the lowest of the three, aren't we? <laughs> words with the people. All of three of them, ninety yeah. percent. What? <laughs> Blade Trinity's ninety-one. Yeah, if we base it on the funds, as I say, it was a budget of forty-five, fifty-four, sixty-five million respectively, and worldwide gross of one hundred thirty-one, one hundred fifty-five, one hundred twenty-eight. So you're like, yeah. If that's indicative of the critics, yeah, it's not shit. It very rarely is. It can't be. I don't think it would be. Yeah. 
I'm going to go for a classic sequelizers drop. Ooh, about 50% drop. So I'll go for 23. So drop from 73 to 23. Okay. Nice round drop of 50%. I don't think it's going to drop quite that much. Oh, it's bad, Tim. I, it's bad. I mean, it is terrible. <laughs> But, but if they can't see the difference between the changes of one and two, they might not be able to see the difference yeah, between one, two, three. True. I'm, yeah, I'm going to say 35%. Okay, okay. Right. Mm, me, I mean, that's still a big Do trouble. a quick tabulation for you here, gentlemen. Right, okay. Jack won. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Jack clean sweep oh really hey i think that's the first time i've done that but jack you were wrong uh, a lot so this is a proper the mummy (laughs) this is an absolute fuck off moment oh no blade oh no 55 percent oh no nope we are not happy with that shit so again we changed our little titles to to Mm. bad sequel sorted because you know critically speaking not a bad sequel to good movies at all. So yes, 55%. And I disagree with that wholeheartedly. But as Tim has mentioned, he kind of nailed it. It's the people who are going to say like, genre people are like, this is really fucking cool. I like what they've done with this. And other people would be like, no, you it's pre-pubescent, like it. immature like nonsense. Yeah. Blah, 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 yeah. blah. Um, oh, sun sun cream to stop them bursting into flames. That's not a vampire. It's like, I mean, that is a bit silly. It is silly. Of course it's silly. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but the whole universe is silly. That's the point. Exactly. So uh, the, your 70% is closer. Blade 2, 57%. Fucking hell. A little bit better. <laughs> um, Is that, I wonder if that's Del Toro's lowest rating on Rotten Tomatoes. That's, that's not a question That's not a question for today, show. but we'll definitely no, find no, that no. out in a later thing. Because I think that'd be interesting, because I wonder if he's... Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know, actually. That's a very interesting question. <sighs> no, I reckon, because there's another earlier horror film... Yeah. After Mimic Kronos, Kronos. M- Mimic. That's Mimic what, yeah, I re- Mimic's probably the lowest. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that brings us to Blade Trinity. Um, okay, this has got to. This is. This might be even lower. This uh, has got to be pretty low. No, no. What? No, what? No. Jack, you lowballed it. <laughs> it's a little bit, a little bit. It's twenty six percent. Oh, thank so God. at least we will acknowledge. I that thought you were about you... to say forty something. No, 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 no. The twenty six feels appropriate for this film, if I'm honest. Um, but the drop yeah. from fifty is nonsense, utterly non, utterly nonsense. Yeah, fuck off. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's horse piss. Wow. Um, but I would say, um, a twenty six for 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 this is yeah, just just quite fitting. Very quickly, just because we did have a quick check. Yeah, this is Del Toro's lowest rated film. Oh, bloody present. hell! There you go. Um, and to be fair, they're wrong. <laughs> um, I'd actually go so far as to say Del Toro doesn't have a low-rated film, in my opinion. Um, I know that people would certainly start sh- just screaming from the, the sidelines, Pacific Rim! And you're wrong. Um, I like Pacific Rim. A lot of people don't. A lot of people hold it in really yeah. low regard. Oh, we'll, we'll come back to that in a future episode maybe. sometime, but yeah. Um, maybe we will. Maybe. Um, so Jack... Hello. How are you going to in- increase this to at least a 50%? <laughs> <laughs> That's my goal for the season. 50% Rotten Tomato scores for imaginary films that don't exist. A classic Chambers pull. Yeah. So because we're going in blind this season, I'm keeping everything as hidden as I possibly can. Because hopefully the reveal you guys are going to go, ah, ah, okay, I see what you're doing here. I see what you're doing. Okay. So I'm not telling you the director. Because that will give the game away. Interesting. Until the end. Any, oh, I'll tell you at the end, obviously. Yes. Oh, okay. 
I will. You can you can work out who the director is by the time we get to some of the actors. So let's put it that way. Okay. I won't tell you any of the new cast because that's the spoilers. But don't worry, I'm bringing back Wesley Snipes, and I'm bringing back Chris Christopherson as Blade and Whistler, respectively. Okay. So we have to assume he's happy with the director. <laughs> <laughs> and the director is David Escoyer. No. <laughs> Fucking hell. Definitely not. But yeah, I, I will reveal all in a few moments. Okay. And I think a few people will, you will clock onto it pretty quickly. So Do we, do we yeah. have a title? Richard Curtis that... is Blade 3. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have a title sequence and that will also reveal... Oh my God. That, that's a massive spoiler as well. Okay, okay. <laughs> I've, I've gone very silly. Okay. This, is, this is season opener. I'm going balls to the wall. I'm oh going. I feel like this is classic sequel. This, this is, this is. You know when we get like a oh a divided. you've just read read on the original. Yeah, cool. But like fixed it, like, kind of like I did with the thing. Like mm, I, I took mm-hmm, the original, mm-hmm. tidied it up a bit, whatever. Yes. This chuck it all out. Ain't fucking that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you that right now. Almost nothing. Right. I think literally nothing from Blade Trinity, the original, is in this film. Okay. I mean, no good. Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> um, th- there is there is a shared character, but I've stuck closer to the comics. His we'll, name we'll is Blade. <laughs> <laughs> His name is Blade. Uh, um, speaking of which, could, do we do we get to know the year of this film? Two thousand and six. Okay, so a little bit of a delay. He's it's his, is Snipes so, in prison. <laughs> importantly, he goes to prison in two thousand six, but this was filmed <laughs> before then. <laughs> brilliant i love it no that's fine if i remember correctly he's imprisoned in like 2006 so i can get away with this because i'm filming it in 2005 that's all good uh yeah at the end of 2006 he gets uh indicted this is his last paycheck that he ends up getting Uh, very much so yes yeah yeah this will keep him going through his tax evasion years (laughs) having to pay back what for 10 million dollars or whatever it was when yeah yeah i did factor that in don't worry and there is a reason for that year as well, because we'll oh, get into that in a shit, moment son. Well. Okay, okay, I'm ready. Okay, here we go. I'll start dropping some hints. And I'll, it, feel free to buzz in when you work out what's going on. <laughs> buzz. John Carpenter, you've made it escape from New York. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. Kurt Russell versus Blade. Actually, I'm not going to lie, Snake that is a fucking good idea. versus Blade. Shouldn't say this, this is good. That sounds great. In a dark New York back alley, an African-American couple and their son are attacked by a mugger. The father is confident and puts up a decent defense, but the mugger quickly reveals their vampire fangs and knocks the man to the ground. The attacker closes in on the young boy and easily knocks the mother out of the way. As he leans in, sniffing the young, fresh blood of the boy, the vampire erupts into flames. As the ash and bones fall away and dissolve, we see Blade, of course, sheathing his sword. He smiles at the boy and reaches his hands out, helping the parents to their feet. As the mother checks on her son, Blade keeps hold of the man's arm, drawing him closer. Ben Yorick, right? Buzz! Buzz, buzz, buzz! <laughs> okay. The fuck are you doing, son? This could be either brilliant or awful. <laughs> Get ready. I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm looking for Hannibal King. Have you seen him? So I'm bringing back Hannibal. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Okay. It's comic that makes sense. Not played by Ryan Reynolds. Not, not a bunch of bullshit. Sure. Ben stands up straight and replies, saying that Hannibal will find him, not the other way around. Blade simply replies, Good. Do, do we have, I, I, I don't, not knowing how 
big key features in this film. Do we have casting for Ben Urich? Idris Elba. Ooh, Ooh. Uh, mm, off the wire at this point. Uh, yeah, post-wire Idris Elba, or pre-wire? Post-wire, it's post-wire, post-wire yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah post-wire Idris Elba, but before he really blows up and does a bunch of other Shit. stuff. Shit. So, yeah. And again, you're doing uh, the Daredevil thing of making a black Ben Urich before in because in, in the comics he's a white so again they, you're going to already have angry fanboys <laughs> correct yeah and I've got good, two African American men love it not fighting each other and having a healthy relationship <laughs> on screen <laughs> yes helping each other okay <laughs> a beaker bubbles and boils with green liquid as the scientist continues an experiment slowly dripping lead, red liquid into it the camera pans around the beaker showing the d- buzz 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 <laughs> <laughs> showing Here the laboratory's go. logo Oscorp Bam. God damn! <laughs> Here we go. Here we fucking go. The head of the corporation, Harry Osborne, played by James Franco. <laughs> oh my god, I've just seen a name slightly further down this paragraph as well. My god, <laughs> listeners, we are we're here with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Osborne played by James Franco. Oh my fuck. Okay, okay, I'm listening. This is interesting. Because again, that's not that that's not that fucking crazy. Um Harry Osborne storms into the room and demands an update. Fuck it, Franco. The doctor is confident in his theory, but progress has been slow. Harry is impatient, but says he trusts Michael since he was so well regarded by his father. But if he disappoints him, he won't hesitate to take the formula into his own hands. Back to formula and leave more. (laughs) Michael Morbius! (laughs) And leave Morbius to wither away with his terminal condition. Oh, fuck, man, you're going deep with this. I'm going deep. I mean, I get it. Michael Morbius... Played by Ethan Hawke. Oh, oh before Daybreakers. Before Daybreakers, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, before okay. Daybreakers. He's not a bad casting choice for Morbius. He's a, he's a weird I, life, like thin faced, mm. creepy dude. I, I do want to point out quickly. Idris Elba has also fought vampires before because he was in the uh, very mm. cult uh, UK series Ultraviolet. Mm-hmm. He was indeed. Yes. I'm 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 getting sucker punched left, right, and centre here with this. Um, <laughs> so. We'll get back to comic rules and comic law later. We will, we get, will get, get very yeah. much into that. As Harry storms out, Morbius is briefly left alone. His contemplation is interrupted by a red-haired man in a trench coat, seemingly appearing out of nowhere. Morbius greets him and withdraws a vial of blood from his supply, tossing it to Hannibal. Hannibal smiles. This is Hannibal King. Yeah. Hannibal smiles, showing his vampiric canines, and thanks the Doctor with a piece of information. There's more than one hero in town now. Morbius looks intrigued at the news and turns around to see the vampire P.I. has already disappeared. So who's your Hannibal King? Michael C. Hall. Okay. Um, okay. Is this prior or this is, alongside this is, Dexter? This is pre-Dexter, post six feet under. Okay, yeah. So he is in, just slotting in between no, two no, no, massive no. projects he, 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 that he defined him. He was very, very, very well regarded on mm. Six Feet Under, so he'd get like He's a lot great of, in Six Feet yeah. Under. Yeah. So there'd yeah. be a lot of respect and for that. Dexter got terrible, but he is brilliant in those first few seasons. Yeah, and he's very obsessed with blood. Yeah. So it kind of works. The title sequence, before I pass on to the next... The next Fucking thing. hell. I, have to, I, 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 I purposefully have, on the screen, <laughs> hit it, so I have to scroll past this as it comes up like a, like a yeah. fucking... Like a live Q thing, like it's going to say, uh, go fuck yourself, San Diego, or whatever else. <laughs> <laughs> whatever we write there, Matt will read. It's just a fact. <laughs> he hates mech suits. I don't understand. <laughs> In the title sequence, two well-known logos combine. Blade drops down to the screen, a slash of a katana, and the word Spider-Man. 
on the other side of the screen. <laughs> so, for the man who hates Batman v Superman, you have brought it here. <laughs> Blade oh my God. versus Spider-Man, Dawn of Justice. Shit <laughs> hell. So literally, Blade slash Spider-Man. Yep. Fucking hell. Okay. On the way back from the previous mugging, Blade sees some more vampires preparing to break into a blood bank. He Typical sighs. bloody vampires, yeah. right? Oh, bloody vampires. vampires. Quite literally. He sighs, turns his bike around, and as he approaches, one of the vampires is kicked across the street and into a lamppost. Your friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man gives Blade a wave and resumes fighting the vampires. <laughs> I'm assuming a Tobey Maguire here? Tobey Maguire indeed. Blade storms in behind Spider-Man, trying to drop subtle hints that these criminals are vampires and not just thieves. Spider-Man has not clocked on, by the way. He's just fighting them <laughs> as if they're normal people. Spider-Man doesn't believe in vampires and asks who he is, but Blade answers by driving his sword into the heart of one of the thieves, exploding him in flame and ash. Spider-Man is stunned at Blade's sudden violence, and in his shock, Peter Parker is bitten. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Blade finishes off the rest of the vampires before dragging a writhing Parker towards his bike. Spider-Man has already transformed and a fight ensues between Blade and Vampire Spider-Man. Blade... <laughs> let's, let's give a pause for the audience to just all scream in uniform, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Would you like to read that sentence again, Tim? <laughs> Spider-Man has already transformed and a fight ensues between Blade and Vampire Spider-Man. <laughs> you heard me. You heard me. <laughs> Blade eventually subdues Peter by shooting him in the knee and putting him on the back of his bike. Vampire Spider-Man. <laughs> you You're have welcome. kicked off this season like a fucking 80s executive off his yep. tits on cocaine. I'm not necessarily <laughs> against it at this point. <laughs> I guess my equivalent was Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> there you go. It's so all the sugar just went to my brain. I mean, and I was like, <gasps> Whistler, played by Chris Christopher, as I said. Mm -hmm. Is tending some weaponry in their temporary New York hideout as Blade busts in with his bike with Peter Parker in tow. Blade begins trying to explain, and Whistler says that he obviously knows about the goddamn Spider-Man. He's the most famous hero in the country, let alone New York. Whistler runs some tests and tries to work out what's going on with Peter. He seems to be reacting to the bite differently. Whistler says he's going to have to call his East Coast contact to get some help. Shortly after, Dr. Michael Morbius arrives mm -hmm. at their door. Whistler explains that Morbius is a blood specialist and should be able to at least tell them what's happening. Morbius takes samples of Peter's blood and determines that it's radioactive and that his body is trying to fight the transformation. If they're able to contain Peter overnight, he should be able to mostly recover from the infection. So basically, Peter's blood is reacting extra quickly to vampire bites. Yeah, so he that, transforms that yeah. basically straight away. There's no delay. He is like, bam, I'm a vampire. And then his radioactive blood is like kind of biting off the infection. The whole basically. cap can't get drunk kind of thing. <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah. Whistler thanks Morbius for the help, while Blade hears something outside and goes to investigate. Hannibal King stands outside and greets the Daywalker with respect. Blade assesses that Hannibal is a vampire and his aggression slowly builds during their conversation. The two come to blows, but Morbius, this is a cool fight sequence. It's very cool. Mm -hmm. it, it's whenever, when people come to blows or fights, assume it's really cool. Nice, like, I like it. It's Blade-style Kung Fu madness. There's Kicking. lots of vampire fights. So. I like it. I like it. The two come to blows, but Morbius is able to mediate and calm them both down. Blade has heard rumors of a private investigator who's been looking into vampire history, but hasn't realized that P.I. himself was a vampire until now. Hannibal tells the story of how he was bitten 
and turned by Deacon motherfucking Frost. <laughs> Stephen Dorff from the first movie. Is there a flashback of this or did you just, did you just explain it? Uh, yeah, sure. Flashback. Cool. Let's get, let's get Stephen Dorff for a back. No, go. Yeah. The villain from the first Blade film. Hannibal extends a hand and says he just wants to thank the man who killed that son of a bitch. Blade shakes his hand and Hannibal offers his services to Blade and Whistler to solve the recent vampire activity in New York. So, Hannibal King is a vampire. Yes. He has not been cured of vampire bollocks. He is straight up a vampire private investigator. And because um, Michael C. Hall is ginger, uh, he would hate the sun as much as a vampire. It makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Don't need to do any of the the white face makeup. Get me a Viking (laughs) Celt who can't take the sun. (laughs) He was also at one point Potentially up for Daredevil, apparently. He was, yeah. very much so. Yeah. I don't think I'd be happy with that. Yeah. yeah. Despite it being the middle of the night at this point, Morbius returns to his lab rather than going home. He begins frantically running tests on a newly acquired vial of Peter Parker's blood and seems amazed by the results. He reveals a withered, pale arm from under his lab coat and carefully injects himself with his newly concocted formula using the radioactive blood. His arm swells, returning to healthy colour and muscle strength growing before his eyes. Unfortunately, this only lasts for a few seconds before his arm shrivels again and his fingernails grow into claws. He screams out in pain and collapses to the floor. I'm seeing Reese the fans in uh, Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Reese Evans, not bad in that film. No, I think there's, 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 there's some redeeming C- qualities C- in that movie. CG of the Lizard. Terrible. Yeah, no snout. Don't like that. Weird, weird Goomba face. No, mm. thank you. Does he have a nose? This Morbius, uh, do you think? No. Let's go Voldemort, Morbius. Mm. Let's go, <laughs> go, go ex- as creepy as we can make him. No, I get it, I get it, I get it. The following day, Peter Parker wakes up in Whistler's warehouse, exhausted, but thankfully, not a vampire. Blade... <laughs> I like that line for some reason. <laughs> Blade cautiously helps him out of his restraints, and the two have a conversation about their history as, quote-unquote, Heroes. They exchange stories from their previous films, a little bit of a recap for the new people coming in who haven't seen Spider-Man 1 and 2 or Blade 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. And Spider-Man is still amazed that Blade, let alone vampires, actually exist. Blade is envious of Spider-Man's blissful ignorance and relatively normal life compared to his. As he leaves, Peter jokes about having to explain the bite on his neck to Mary Jane, and Whistler gives him a, see you around, kid, as he leaves. Harry Osborne knocks on Michael Morbius's front door asking why his lab equipment is smashed and why he hasn't shown up for work. The piece of shit. I know. Osborne's anger overflows and he kicks the door down, finding a cowering Morbius on the floor. Harry looks confused at first, but realises that his employee is weak and goes to help him up. Oh, I maybe read that with the wrong inflection. He's weak. I'm going to help him up. <laughs> <laughs> Michael recoils back and tells Harry to leave him alone, but Harry, asserting himself, refuses to leave until Morbius gets back into the lab. Michael reveals his new form, a pale, empiric frame with elongated fangs and claws on his hands. And no nose now. No nose. Does he also have fucking radar like Jared Leto? (laughs) No. Okay. Definitely not. Harry is surprisingly unfazed and takes his opportunity to make a deal with his employee. Osborne says he will discredit and unveil Michael as a freak and that he'll never see his daughter again unless Morbius can find Spider-Man and bring him to the Oscorp lab. Harry tells Michael to get dressed and leaves without another word. Whistler, Blade and Hannibal are comparing their notes about the recent vampire activity in New York. They are discussing the likelihood of Oscorp being involved somehow and, on cue, 
Morbius arrives at the hideout. The Doctor keeps his distance at first, just asking where Spider-Man is and if he recovered from the bite successfully. Whistler asks how Michael is and mentions they were just discussing Oscorp's potential involvement in the recent increase in vampires in the neighbourhood. Morbius slowly moves forward, reassuring them that Osborne isn't who they need to worry about. The trio notice something is wrong with Morbius as Whistler approaches his friend, trying to calm him. Morbius lashes out, throwing Whistler across the room and revealing his transformation to the vampires. The three fight ferociously and Blade eventually manages to stab Morbius in the heart. Cool fight scene. <laughs> Another cool fight scene. Insert cool fight scene here. To Blade's surprise, this seems to only anger Morbius, and he is able to overpower the Daywalker, Hannibal, shortly after. The wounded Morbius pins Whistler down by the throat and asks where Spider-Man is. Before the air is squeezed out of him, Whistler is able to whisper, Peter Parker, from the Daily Bugle. You suck, Get- Whistler. Getting what he needed, the enraged Morbius kills Whistler and escapes. Ooh. Whistler doesn't come back in a magical pod <laughs> for a fourth film. You don't get to decide that. That's the fourth film's job. <laughs> I know, that's right. Goya. <laughs> Del Toro. <laughs> Peter Parker arrives late to his job at the Daily Bugle, greeting Ben and Robbie as he arrives to report to J. motherfucking Jonah Jameson. Mm-hmm. Blade, of course, are the only man who should ever play J. Jonah Jameson. J.K. Simmons. <laughs> Jameson shouts at Parker being late and not working last night as the recent attacks were all over the news, throwing a rival newspaper at Parker showing photos of Spider-Man and the vampires from the heist from the previous night. Blade is somehow absent in these shots. I'm not doing the Blade Trinity thing where he's suddenly revealed to the cops because that doesn't make any <laughs> mm-hmm. sense. Allowing Jameson to pin the blame, of course, to Spider-Man. The word vampire is never used, but their supernatural abilities are on full display in the fight against Spider-Man. So I'm imagining the photos are like them smashing into walls, oh, and like yeah, climbing yeah. up walls and flipping at each other and all kinds of superhero, supernaturally kind of I stuff. I mean, we're after two Spider-Man movies at this point, so obviously there's going to be like weird shit and it's Spider-Man's fault, kind of like, of yeah, course there's villains. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Peter receives a call from Mary Jane and excuses himself as Jameson continues ranting, as he does. On the other end of the phone is Morbius, holding Mary Jane hostage in the Parker Watson house. Peter runs out of the Daily Bugle and swings off through New York, heading home to save MJ. As Peter arrives, Morbius greets him with Harry Osborn looming behind. Is Harry Osborn goblin-y or just Harry at this point? I assume he's just Harry. He's Harry. No goblin stuff. Yet. Possibly. Harry, recounting the confrontation from Spider-Man 2, shouts at Peter about killing his father. So he finds out that Spider-Man and the whole Green Goblin thing and his dad and blah, 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 blah but doesn't put it together that it's Peter and then Peter tries to talk him down at the end of Spider-Man 2 and it's a whole thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yeah, so it's kind of a a retread of that, but now he's aware Peter Parker is who he is, basically. Peter tries to talk to Harry, but he's clearly too far gone. Harry's eyes glow green. Oh, okay, we go. Harry's eyes glow green and he begins punching his best friend who refuses to fight back. Peter promises to go with him if Morbius leaves MJ alone. A smile, MJ obviously has seen with women disabilities. She's Kirsten Dunst, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Sorry, yes. And and Robbie Robertson is uh, yeah, the guy who played Robbie. Yeah, it sounds stupid. Yeah, I, was yeah. gonna, I assume it was. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. A smile crisscrosses Harry's face and he returns to his friendly, Franco-ish persona. The best <laughs> friends embrace and Harry injects Peter with a needle, knocking him out. Morbius picks up the unconscious Peter and he and Harry leave for the Oscorp labs. Once again, Peter is restrained and having his blood drawn by Dr. Morbius, this time in the Oscorp labs. 
Harry begins telling the story of his father, and how it's not fair that Spider-Man gets superpowers without consequence. Osborne berates Morbius, emphasising how Spider-Man's blood will finally allow him to fulfil his father's dream, as he is superior to Peter and Michael. Morbius flinches whenever Harry mentions him, reacting to being called a freak bottom feeder. Blade, standing in the doorway, asks, Of course. <laughs> Who are you calling a bottom feeder? Motherfucker. <laughs> Some motherfuckers are always trying to feed the bottom. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> exactly. Uh, and negotiates with Osborne to release Peter. Harriet asks who the hell Blade thinks he is and backs away, while sneakily withdrawing a mixture of the Green Goblin formula and Spider-Man's blood from a pocket. Despite Morbius's protests, Harry injects himself with the new formula and transforms into a Green Goblin-esque monster. Mm-hmm. Which Blade. is kind of like ultimate Green Goblin. Uh, yeah. full yeah, yeah. actual monster kind of thing. Hulky, lizardy, yes. king, mm-hmm. exactly. killer croc yeah. 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 Exactly, exactly. Blade reveals Hannibal as his backup behind him, and the transformed Osborne launches himself at them, his new strength allowing him to go toe-to-toe with the vampires. Cool fight ensues once again. <laughs> so we now have transformed Harry Osborne versus ha- vampire Hannibal and Blade all battling and smashing up the labs and mm-hmm. you know the deal. In the lab, Morbius is conflicted and a barely conscious Peter begs to be released to save Harry. Morbius releases one of the straints, but is still determined that much of this is Spider-Man's fault. Morbius unleashes himself once again and begins fighting Spider-Man. The two battles rage on, the heroes and villains trading blows across the lab and around each other in a brilliant ballet of violence. So there's two fights going on and you're almost like you see one perspective mm-hmm. and it will cut around and you'll see sure, sure. Spider-Man and Morbius fighting in the background while Blade and Harry Osborn are fighting in the other bit. And yeah, loads of stuff's being smashed up. It's a big Blade-style fight. Mm-hmm. Morbius is much faster and stronger than the still-weakened Peter and wounds him, causing Hannibal to tell Blade to take on Morbius while he and Pete battle Osborn. Blade doesn't need to be told twice and he swooshes his katana through the air towards the living vampire. Blade is able to use his gadgets and weapons to beat Morbius, despite him not having any of the usual vampire weaknesses. Blade decapitates Morbius, whispering about Whistler as he delivers the final blow. Harry, realising the scientist who is the future of his company is dead, wails in pain and hopelessness, allowing Hannibal and Peter to knock him out. A few evenings later, Peter Parker picks up a newspaper from a street vendor with Corrupt Corporation Kid Incarcerated (laughs) as the headline above Harry Osborne's mugshot. He looks heartbroken as Hannibal King's hand lands on his shoulder. He reassures Peter they did the right thing by turning Harry in. Peter isn't convinced and says that Morbius should still be alive. He had so much to contribute to the world and there had to be another way. Blade interrupts Peter once again, appearing from nowhere. He had to die for Whistler. Motherfucker. Um, exactly. Hannibal tries to lighten the mood. Putting his arms around... There's a lot of touching going on here. <laughs> Putting his arms around both... It's a bro moment. And asks them when they can all team up again. Blade shrugs Hannibal off, and he says that while Spider-Man has his home and territory in New York, he goes where he's needed. The Daywalker climbs on his motorbike and rides off into the night. Credits. Then cool new metal and credits. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot to say, Chambers. Yeah. <laughs> Directed by Sam Raimi. I was thinking it was Sam Raimi. I, I, yeah. I, I thought... Um, so this... No. This is Spider-Man 3 as this well. This is Spider-Man 3. I'm fixing Spider-Man 3 and Blade Trinity 1-1. <laughs> because I didn't get a chance to do that in the previous one. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So, um, as with series 
five and six, sequelizers, sort of reboot as you were, and and mm. prequelizers. We're now in a thing rather than we do like the lawyer's argument rather than being the clash of things. We're trying to no work the the sequel. Uh, improve it ask questions yeah Yeah, exactly we're trying to we're trying to make it the best thing we can respectively rather than just going right well fuck all that i'm doing something else entirely different because (laughs) you know we're we're a team yeah um i however do have to point out some stuff because i feel it's going to be a real you can make it work Mm. but you've got to do something i I have a feeling i know what you're about to say but go on okay okay i only really i mean there are a few sub sort of comments but there are two major problems i think have everything stems back to thing number one New Line Cinema and Sony. Sony is a separate production company, obviously. New Line Cinema is Warner Brothers as a subsidiary. So basically, yes, currently, Spider-Man appears in Marvel movies, as in DC, MCU, uh, Disney stuff, because arguably uh, (laughs) a Korean hack. Well, Sony and Marvel made a deal, didn't they? They made a deal, but because of this this exposure to that, and also the fact that Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 were what they weren't, the success, and yada, 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 it was a deal was made. And that's what we're going to get to here. Deals can be made. Yeah. Um, Sony we're living in the magical, perfect world of yes, and, and at this point, Marvel isn't owned by Disney. Marvel's just a thing who sells off to any motherfucker. That's why you have mm. Sony and Paramount, and yeah, uh, and and in this case, New Line, who are part of Warner Brothers, who I don't think exist anymore. I'm not sure about New Line. They did like Lord of the Rings and stuff like that, but yes. Um, so there again, that's why like Goya's involved. Like, oh Goya, didn't he do like Batman? You know, Dark Knight stuff. It's like, yeah, because New Line is He's a Warner Brothers guy. Yeah, exactly. So that's a big thing for Warner Brothers to let go to Sony. I don't think they would at this point. I'm not going to say it's impossible. I, I agree, but I don't care. Exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah for, the, for the conceit <laughs> of the episode, I do understand, but yeah. I will have to point out, because again, primarily so someone can say it on air, so audiences don't tend to tweet in <laughs> writers saying, what the yeah. fuck is this not possible? So it Definitely. is possible. Yeah. Um, I mean, the main, the main reason that, that Sony and Marvel have the deal they have is because Marvel is also now Disney, and so they are therefore... They've got the heft behind them to be like, we want to use Spider-Man. Exactly. And suddenly part of one of the biggest corporations in the world. Yeah. And because it mutually benefits them both, because Sony have realized we don't know how to make a Spider-Man film. <laughs> uh, it took them three films in a row to work that out. Yeah. Sure. And yet uh, they made into the Spider-Man, which was one of the best Spider-Man films. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so weird. Mad. But yes. So that's that's the point one that I think we need to address, which we've done. Moving on, that's fine. We'll we'll say there is a a, a conceit, a backroom deal. It works for the reasons it works. Mm. Whatever, that's fine. Now we have the next big thing, um, which starts as a various bits and pieces. But there, so there are three 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 struts to this. But there's one main sentence, which is okay. This is a Blade movie, not a Spider Man mm. movie. Yes, which means Blade is effectively top build in terms of like it's Blade slash Spider Man, not Spider Man slash Blade, as a, as if that matters like Batman v Superman mm. kind of mindset, but it does sure. matter. Yeah, and it also means that all the stuff, all the tension from Bl- Spider Man Two is brought into this Blade movie, and With the Harry stuff and the precisely, yeah, yeah. precisely, and. It does a thing. I was tempted to do like Blade Three slash Spider Man Three, which I guess kind of works. But no, I think <laughs> I think there's a, a way of doing that. I think yeah, yeah, the title thing is the thing. We do Blade slash Spider Man, and then do like a three Wolverine claw through it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wolverine <laughs> claw style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Starring I, I Wolverine. Yeah, for some people it's called Blade Three, for some people it's called Spider Man Three, but it's the same film. Yeah, I get that. Um, but it does feel like, I mean, for example, Mary Jane is sidelined quite a lot. Now, to be fair, oh, she is. She's yeah. sidelined in the fucking. Mm-hmm. 
Spider-Man 3 and arguably Spider-Man 2 a bit. So yeah, yeah, that's indicative of the problem. I think Sam Raimi is a good choice because he can bring a lot of the interesting horror elements. I think he's actually a good thing. However, and this is where it comes to the real thing, you either end up with an R-rated Spider-Man film or a PG-13 Blade, neither of which I think is a necessarily that's good thing. That's where I thought you were going to go with that. Yeah. That is the thing I struggled with and I knew you were going to talk <laughs> about. Yeah. Balancing the family friendliness of your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man with decapitating with Morbius, <laughs> the first R-rated superhero and decapitations yeah. and stuff. So I, I am kind of, I, I would think, I don't know if I could just, just perfectly balance it somewhere. Oh, there's, po- you know there's a way. I, I mentioned not too much violence, but I think there, there would be some. And obviously, the, the decapitation of Morbius, I pick out specifically as like an old shit moment. Like, hey, don't forget, Blade is in this film. Yeah, he chops motherfuckers' heads off. Like, yeah. that's what Blade does. I mean, the, the one of the advantages you have is that they're fighting vampires who turn into like fiery ash. So yeah. you can do the whole PG thirteen thing of like, we don't show any blood ever because yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's not he's not doing the like the thing in the first one where their heads explode and stuff. Yeah, and it's like super over the top. All the vampires they fight pretty much turn into ash mm. and stuff. And I guess it's still kind of violent, but like you said, there's not that much blood. Yeah. Relative to that, I guess. Yeah, that is yeah. something I struggled with writing this. I was like, ooh, would it be a would it be a twelve? Would it be a fifteen? Ooh, I don't know. Ugh. Yeah, I think I think you can't there's no way I think anyone would allow a Spider Man movie to be anything more than a twelve A. Hey? Mm. I don't think that the studios would allow just for the fact that you're trying to sell Spider Man toys. I don't think they'll allow it. So you'd end up with a PG-13 blade. I don't think that could be the end of the world. I don't think it's necessarily right, but I don't think it would... In the right hands, that could be fine. Um, in the same way that Wolverine is a fucking PG-13 And like, thing. Raimi at, the, uh, at his best is quite capable of doing something that is both scary and you don't have to see a lot of gore on scene. Obviously, yeah, that, he can yeah, do stuff yeah. where you see mountains of gore on scene, but, you know... <laughs> Uh, playing it more Army of Darkness than Evil Evil Dead Two, um, yeah. mm-hmm. I I worry that it is with Morbius, Hannibal King, and Spider Man. I do worry it's a bit overstuffed. Doing the Spider Man Three thing, yes, yeah, <laughs> getting too many too many things in there. Yes, especially because we know that Spider Man Three was is what it is. Is, too many is dogs, what it yeah. is because it's too many cooks and too many. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know. You'd have you'd have Raimi being like, I think we can fit Sandman in there as well because I just really <laughs> want to do him. Yeah, yeah. So no, his vampire I, I sand. Well. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that as well. So I thought having uh, Harry and Morbius essentially be like from the same, not from the same origin, mm. but like through the Orthcorp labs and stuff. You're not introducing because I think the the biggest problem with the Spider-Man three with all the multiple villains mm. and stuff is that. None of them have anything to do with each other. Yeah. Just have Sandman's off doing some other thing and worried about his daughter, and then Venom drops out of space, and you're like, oh, okay, that's a totally separate issue. Mm. And yeah, this I, I tried to tie them in a bit more and make the Green Goblin thing and yeah. the Living Vampire thing kind of tied together a bit more, make that one plot line that kind of weaves two villains together. But I definitely see what you mean mm. that is, there is a lot going on. Mm. And I basically just wanted to be silly and go, go nuts for the first <laughs> yeah. episode. There's a great energy because of that. I think that it's it's, it's yeah. a very fun. This film would never get movie. made in a million years, but <laughs> none of these films will. So fuck it. I would still say because you've included a Spider-Man, it's better than Blade Trinity. So by definition, yeah, stamp approval. Um, I think in terms of 
pitch alteration, shall we say, to, to sort of, um, if I was to make it partly workable, not like say it's not workable, you know, in, in that regard, I would say you have to merge or kill off, as in excise from the script, either Hannibal King or Morbius. I think mm -hmm. the villain has to be Harry. Interesting. Because I think him yeah, as think Goblin... Hannibal, Hannibal is the most expendable. Character. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, I think Morbius, to go. Morbius works really well because he is that he's, he's, he's the bridging between... Yeah. He's also the guy that turned Blade into a vampire in the comics. Yes. <laughs> mm. He's the one that bit him, that gave him the cool powers from the films yes. in the comics. Yes. And that's how, where he's the daywalker, because he gets the living vampire bite powers. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's how that works. Comics. Yeah, but yeah, yeah exactly. Comics. So I think, yeah. I think Hannibal King has to go, because then you end up with Blade taking a lot of the responsibility of what he is, because he's the external, he's a, you know, his vampire yeah. PI, it's like, kind of blade you don't need that for, for the audience who don't know blade if you're talking to like i love spider-man 2 i've got my favorite toy which is doc ock here are three vampires and like <laughs> what yeah and all, all the spider-man fans furious you haven't used rhino or some shit yeah <laughs> you've venom. got you've got three three vampires all who operate slightly differently yeah. like in terms of how their vampirism kind of manifests so oh, sorry and also a spider vampire. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's a thing from the comics. As no, well. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. That absolutely happened. I mean, just trying to picture like Tobey Maguire playing off of Wesley Snipes is <laughs> oh, so I know. Like, oh it's, it's just the worst, but also the best, right? <laughs> Have you seen... Okay, so there's a, a kind of a meme dialogue uh, balloon... Or not dialogue balloon, but like little bit of script... Uh, have you have you seen it where it's Captain America and Blade talking? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Matt, are you familiar with this? I don't think I've seen it. No. Okay, so it's just a, it's a little bit of script. So it's uh, Captain America. So do any Avengers have any pressing business? Blade. Are any of you motherfuckers going to help me fight the vampires? Please. There are so many. <laughs> Captain America. No. <laughs> Brilliant. and it feels like this is an adaptation of that <laughs> yeah yeah um peter parker is only dragged into the vampire world because the vampires come to him see yeah. see this is the thing this is the, this is a very important point we did um in series god's sake numbers i think series three we did spider-man three and we did. Yes. tim and i did a pitch which was about craven and uh, Stuart and Alec, what was equalizers? And your copia, which is still my the best copia. line in the history of <laughs> Fucking line, what does it mean? Oh, okay. And um, uh, Stuart and Alec did a pitch about basically bringing Spider-Man into the MCU, and there was a lot of brow furrowing and thinking, mm, "Will that work?" Turns out, yes, because that's what happened now. <laughs> but the difference was, it was like this Spider-Man didn't do anything during the uh, attack on New York, the Chitauri, and like. Mm. Mm. In the same way, I don't think this is necessarily so crazy because we have a Morbius film on the slate. We have a Blade film coming up. We have a Spider-Man who drifts in and out of Marvel properties mm. and not. And this, this might actually happen. This might be a fucking <laughs> Under thing. Under the MCU That's banner, the thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think this might actually end up being a thing, except it's just, you know, and, and also for the fact that multiple Spider-Mens will be in the mm. film possibly. So who the fuck knows? So I'm yeah. not going to say it's impossible because... History might bite me in the dick. Yeah. Oh, they won't they won't have this Harry Osborne stuff or anything like that. Uh, but I think hey, it's possible to have Spider-Man, Blade, and Morbius all in one film. Well, we've we at this point we have uh 
yeah, we have we have Blade coming into the MCU in the form of Mahershala Ali. We have mm, a Morbius I'm film that amazing. is potentially going to cross over with the Spider-Man films because it's got Michael Keaton in it, maybe. Because the Vulture shows up. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And we also have um, uh, uh, Jamie Foxx as Electro showing up in oh. the third Spider-Man film. God. And allegedly the yes. other Garfield and, and Maguire, yes. apparently. Mm, that, that's been debunked. Oh, has yes, it? Potentially. I keep hearing well. that as, as a legitimate thing over and over and then debunked over and over. I don't know. Yeah, I, to be fair, exactly. I, I think don't it's need gone it, back and forth, so. back and forth. Yeah. Whether they're doing full-on Spider-Verse type stuff, yeah. live action. So we're definitely heading towards the weirdest, the the kind of the weird crossover, like proper comic booky stuff. Where yeah. because I'm sure that there's been a Spider-Man Blade crossover in the comics. Yeah, they, he turns into a vampire and they fight each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was in 2006 when Blade got a uh, because Blade famously has never really had a long ongoing series. Mm. He has never really taken off in the comics in the same way that the films did. Yeah. And he just kind of gets like 10 issues here. Then he's part of the Night Stalkers or yeah, part of the yeah. Howling Commandos or whatever it is. And it's like, yeah, oh, cool, that's it. And Don't want to do with it. Yep. I am slightly disappointed you didn't go for uh, the storyline where Blade, because Blade is technically English. Um, yes, he is. Yeah, uh, and at one point he's not in the film, though, is he? No, I don't no, think no, so. no. Yeah, no. in the in the yeah, he's originally born in in a London whorehouse in like yeah. the 1600s or whatever the fuck it is. But, <laughs> um, yeah, in but that uh, that doesn't work out for the timeline in the films because because <laughs> Whistler meets him when he's like thirteen. Yeah, or and we see and we literally song. see him be born in the films. So yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, 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 LA yes. or whatever. Um, but yes, in the comics, he joins uh, uh, MI13, which is Britain's Captain like Britain. super ha- supernatural force, and they uh, there's an arc where uh, Dracula has a fortress on the moon and fires vampires at Earth like they're torpedoes, and it's fucking amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> including Dracula. Nope. <laughs> I'll give you credit entirely for that, Jack. No Dracula. Thumbs up, <laughs> fortress on the moon. Dracula on the moon. Okay, I'll give you one one plus point for no Dracula. Minus point for no fortress on the moon. <laughs> so you're you're about you equal. Were so close. Um, yeah, I think I think this is a very divisive film. I think as 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 Tim has pointed out, the way that comic book films are so over the top and so crazy, you can kind of get away with it. You like you could never make that kind of film at a certain point. You can easily make it in 2024. That kind of thing, no mm. problem at all. 2006 is a this big would never happen in 2006. Yeah. It's 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 so crazy. I think it would. I don't know. It's it's a hard thing to categorize because obviously it's it's pure speculation stuff. Uh, in terms of like how to fix it or how to make it more palatable, should we say to the public? Again, the Channel King. I think the truth is, and I hate to say this, the way you work it, shall we say, knead it like dough. You make it more of a Spider-Man film. Has to Spider-Man has to be the central focus. Blade has to be sidelined to a supporting character. Almost not put it. Put it bluntly, Blade has to be Black Panther in Civil War, a very strong and integral part of the story, but not in the title. Like a oh fuck, I know that guy, and that's not me like saying like I can't, I can't, you can't have your script. I think in order to make that work, Spider Man is such a big property. Mm-hmm. I don't think Blade is going to muscle in front and center. Um, and again, the whole not being an R-rated film, I'm saying I don't know, unless you do mm. two versions of this movie. One released to kids, one released to adults. We did the un- uncut on the DVD. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, because yeah. in the same way, it's like, what do we do for our Man of Steel sequel? Batman movie. It's like, uh, what? 
What about the Man of Steel? What about the, the Superman fight? Yeah, Batman. I told yeah, you. Sure. Yeah, yeah. See, I think I think you do rather than just doing an uncut DVD. You have two separate films. One is Blade slash Spider Man, and oh, it follows <laughs> and it follows it more from Blade's perspective. And then you have Spider Man slash Blade, which is more from Spider Man's perspective. And then you have a few scenes where they cross over. Yeah. But now we're talking. That's something I actually find now, quite now, interesting. I would I would genuinely now, enjoy that. Now we're on the same wavelength there because yeah. that is the balls to wall mad bullshit that I was coming up with. <laughs> Mm. And then you get people. You, you you're, you're essentially making one and a half films, but you're charging people for two when they go to the cinema. So you know, <laughs> you have to see both versions. Yeah, yeah. Money and then and the, money and money, the baby. super alternate cut. It's like a five-hour, you know, DVD, yeah. or whatever it is. What's <laughs> picture in picture just, viewing? Just it's hanging out with Ben Urich for the whole time. Uh, yeah, it's again, it's funny, it's bold, it's entertaining. It 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 reads well as a story. I like it for what it is. Getting this thing to come to life, fuck me. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a fun opening to the season. Sure, the listeners will go absolutely mad. <laughs> to be fair, this might be an audience favorite. Where they go, "What was your favorite this season?" I fucking love that Blade <laughs> Spider Man, and you know what? Just Blade slash mental. Spider Man for like. What do you mean? I'm telling you, that's how you you pitch it. Blade yeah. slash Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, get out of here, Toby. <laughs> <laughs> Aunt May, she ain't gonna fucking look in. It's true. <laughs> she gets a one look at a blade and then makes an inter- incredibly racist comment about him being in her house. And you're like, oh shit. No, 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 you old white lady. Oh no, your kind can't come in. And he was like, well, I'm a vampire. I can't be, I need to be invited, I suppose. He's like, no, 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 no. You misunderstand me. <laughs> oh your kind can't come in. Oh my god. <laughs> she's, not pro- she's not got a problem with vampires, just, just African Americans. <laughs> I'm kind of disappointed we didn't get a scene where it's J. Jonah Jameson and Whistler facing off. Because oh, just, my God. <laughs> too old. The that's, the real, that's the real third film right there. <laughs> oh. Chris Christopherson and J.K. Simmons just being gravelly at each other. Yeah. I run the best paper in New York. I don't read the paper. One of them what? chain-smoking <laughs> cigarettes, one of them chewing on cigars. Yes. Oh. Spitting tobacco. I wipe my ass with the Daily Bugle. <laughs> <laughs> and he limps out of the office. <laughs> uh, and I assume Ted Raimi has a cameo in here as well. Oh, somewhere, yeah. He's one of the vampires at the heist. <laughs> oh, he still, well, you know, he still works at the Bugle, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. You've got, yeah, you got to worry. Oh, my God. Yeah. You've got to worry about where fucking uh, Bruce Campbell's Bruce? cameo is. Right, sorry. I, I'm, I'm entirely correct. Fucking hell. I'm sorry, listeners. Tim's, <laughs> Tim's entirely correct. Jack, where's Bruce Campbell in this? Is he Mysterio? Uh, <laughs> see, <laughs> Yes, obviously. It was always the thing. It's like, just kind of yeah, sorry. So, yeah. <laughs> obviously, he's Mysterio because he just keeps showing up in different guises. Is he like um, a actually, chin actually vampire? I hadn't thought, hadn't thought about the Bruce Campbell thing, but I did think about the car. <laughs> 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 think about Raimi's fucking Fuck car. Me. Since we talked about it in Oz the Great and Powerful, it's yeah, so yeah, in yeah. my mind of like, oh God, that car needs to be in. So I'm thinking Hannibal King drives a shitty old car. <laughs> you should have a scene where Spider-Man is being sold his first car. He can barely afford it. And the car salesman is fucking Bruce Campbell selling him that awful piece of shit car. Oh, so, he sells yeah. Tobey Maguire, the Raimi car. Yeah, but it actually turns out to be Bumblebee. I kind of I kind of want to see Bruce Campbell vampire getting like, like have him be like the the, the first one that gets killed in front of Spider-Man. <laughs> Yes, he's the, he's the mugger at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was really, really. I'm not going to lie because this is Warner Brothers. But initially, I thought, "Oh, New Line Cinema." When you said it's parents in an alley, I thought, "Holy fuck, are you doing Batman?" Is <laughs> this? I did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> so two parents who were walking down like a back alley, and uh, they're accosted by a mugger. You were like, "No fucking way!" 
Blade versus Batman. I, I genuinely thought that's where you were going. Some Martha fuckers are always trying to ice skate oh! uphill. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sorry. I hate puns, but Tim, I've got to love that. <laughs> best, best of the season. That is not going to get beaten up for the next <laughs> 11 episodes. That was immaculate. <sighs> well, we can't stop that. So I think we need to wrap things up, right? That is just, that is the note to go out on. It's a bold open these... for season seven, gentlemen. <laughs> you're, you're, you're welcome. No, yeah, I I, that, we need bold. Yeah. 2020 d- d- has done stuff to us. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. So that is the opening episode. If you have any feedback for us, please do. Hit us up on social media. We are Sequelizers on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. You can also go sequelizers at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. Or you can go to sequelizers.com and there's links to all that stuff nice and easy in one place on our website. That website also includes a link to our Discord where there'll be a much debate about this episode I assume, <laughs> going on when this goes live. There is a whole channel dedicated to this season and there are channels for previous seasons if you are catching up as well. So lots to discuss and even stuff outside of the podcast as well there's a sports channel there's tv there's films there's games there's comics there's all kinds of stuff and if you want to come and join us and our fantastic community of listeners i highly recommend it the three of us are always hanging out in there and chatting and and getting recommendations and people making recommendations and yeah it's an overall really good place to come and hang out on the internet basically also available on the website is our online store where you can find all of our lovely posters t-shirts merch all that lovely stuff you can go and get those it's nice and easy alongside the discord link there is a there is a little shop button and you can find it there we're going to be coming up with some more stuff we've had a few requests from other listeners for other types of merch and stuff so we are working on getting stuff printed and sorted so there will be more coming soon don't you worry and if for whatever reason you want to argue with me about why blade slash spider-man is a terrible slash brilliant idea <laughs> you can hit me up i'm jlw chambers on all the social media whether that's Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Matt, how can they find you on the social medias? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z, Instagram, Twitter, all that kind of shit. You can go to the theredrighthand.co.uk for my reviews and things, and you can go to tunic.com for the films that we make. Tim! Yo. Where do you suck? <laughs> I, You know, vampires. I mean, you know, yeah. Tim. You know. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, I see. Uh, I, uh can be found inside my coffin at uh, trivia underscore lad on Twitter uh, if you want to follow me for uh, all my vampire lore and mythos. <laughs> so with that out of the way, we'll see you motherfuckers next week. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Blood. <laughs> <laughs> three Spider-Man. One, two, three. <laughs>Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.